You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the heels are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Live, start the countdown. Three, two, one. Lasers. I feel like hashtag we made it, even though we just got here. Ever had one of those days? Like hashtag we made it at the starting line, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it was like a day where you had to. I felt like Chewie and Han had to get underneath the uh, old Falcon here and just mess with some wires until the hyperdrive started working. I don't know what the hell's going on. <coughs> Unbelievable. Lots to talk about today. That being said, you guys already know the drill here. We're doing Talk Brunch Live as usual on this wonderful January 13th. Only for another minute before we're the 14th and it's midnight. Sorry about that, guys. Tardy to the party as usual. My name is Rick Dara. I'm your host. More popularly known at this point as Captain Brunch here for episode 361. And here's my co-pilot, Mr. Destin Frazier. Gracias por todo le parca. Well said, my friend. Well said. We're going to get into that more later on. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Tessa Blanchard. How could we possibly not talk about her at this point, right? Like, she's such a popular news story. What are you going to do? We have to talk about anti-bullying. You know, don't be a bully, be a star, all that kind of shit. Yeah, even though it's three years later, but yeah. Yeah, some surprising updates with Ring of Honor contracts. NXT TakeOver UK Blackpool 2. Interesting results in regards to that. A bit of a crossover upset happened there. As well as some announced teams for the NXT Tag Team Championship Tournament. Better known as the Dusty Rhodes Classic. And all other kinds of news under the sun. That being said, shout out to our wonderful chat room out there. Which has... Stasis Dreams, Emang, uh, Joe Wo, Kula Ice, Willie V2, Six Slayer, Mark 710, some extra people joining us in the beginning, 50 Tarzir 387, uh, Panther, Little Defect MDK, uh, Steel Bull 65, and also all of you listening over to the live broadcast on the dot com as well as the chat room the rest of you listening on itunes stitcher and all other popular podcatcher apps just search for us on every major audio provider including soundcloud just search talk brunch visit talkbrunch.com ask your alexa to play talk brunch you know the drill of how to get here <sighs> also once again thank you for our new music uh ice inferno ice inferno rather stage three dreamer streets of rage 2 i'm sure you're familiar with it you are, Love we have it. no business here. <laughs> Be gone, fuck! No. Write it down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I almost reached for the phone, too. <laughs> Reach for the phone, boy. Oh, no. Ah, oh, boy. So before we talk about some wrestling, we, we, we kind of foreshadowed and teased this on last night's Sunday streams, our gaming streams we streamed, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, on our Mixer channel, we streamed... Uh, we're doing weekly Sunday streams of the new Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order as well as Indivisible, which is an RPG by Lab Zero, small indie company 
during that, we kind of teased some of the conversations we were going to get into tonight. And one of them was about the uh, the Saved by the Bell reboot. And I know a lot of people are like, what are you talking about Saved by the Bell? But I just thought it would be interesting. I said, reserve your opinions for now. Don't be mean. I mean, be mean, but don't be offensive. Be mean if you choose to. Be nice if you want to. I don't know who in the chat room heard about the Saved by the Bell remake. But uh, the story is that, and I'm just summarizing here off the top of my head. This is a shoot. I have no context in front of me. Just heard it through the grapevine. But the story is that apparently a bunch of low-income high schools get shut down because Zach Morris is the governor. And he messes up the budget or something. So all these low-income schools get shut down, forcing a lot of poor kids to have to relocate to Bayside. And the lead of this show... I don't know the name of the character, but it's apparently a trans student. And, uh, yeah, apparently there's also going to be Mario Lopez in it. It's still going to be, what's her name? Uh, what is it, Elizabeth Shue, is it? Uh, I think that's girl name, yeah. I don't even remember which is which. Whatever. They're going to have fucking Jesse, <laughs> Jesse and Slater are going to be there. I guess Zach should be there if he's the governor, right? Is he is he confirmed as the actor actually, or are you just going to hear about him being the governor? I would hope you actually see him, like... It'd be just weird for him to be like the equivalent of the peanut, of the parents on the peanuts. Like, what? If I, what are I, I want to see you. Like, what are your thoughts on this development? So, I mean, full disclosure, even when I was a kid, I usually didn't watch Saved by the Bell. I'd heard a ton about it because I knew a lot of people who were really big into it. Right. Um, when it comes to reboots, I'm kind of hit or miss with them, but. The thing that I guess it doesn't, I, I don't necessarily know how to feel about it because, like I said, I didn't, watch it, I didn't watch it originally. It's just kind of an interesting take. Like, why does the main character being transgender have to be a key point to it? Not right. saying there's anything wrong with it, not saying there's anything right with it, but it's like. Right. Opinions, opinions aside, because we've already yeah. been on here and we've already stated politely and cordially uh, our perspective. I don't want to say our opinion, yeah. opinion our, our perspectives on, on science and how all, we feel that all that works. Uh, but just in regards to the reboot that you, you feel that like, you don't think that it should be a thing, right? Like, I don't see like what, why, what the end game there would be. Like, why is it needed? You know, like, it's not, it's not a like or a hate. It's just like, why is it necessarily like that have to be a thing? You know, like, why does he have to be the main character? Yeah. Not saying it's not saying there's anything wrong with it. I mean, if that's what you want to go for, that's what you want to go for. But it's like. That's a very specific thing. That's a very specific aspect of having like a main character. So, yeah, and apparently, yeah, and like Stacey said in the chat, the, the the head cheerleader is is apparently admired and feared. So they're trying to do this. Uh, I don't know what the hell to call it. This this gender neutral style thing where you can be both loved and revered. You know, you can be both sexual. You can be both masculine and feminine. Uh, whether or not you agree that those elements are even possible to mix together, again, is your opinion. For me, my problem is that none of those elements have anything whatsoever to do with Saved by the Bell. If you want to do a story like that, go ahead, do a story like that. Call it something else. Put it in high school. Give it that exact plot. You know, my my issue is that Saved by the Bell didn't have trans characters in high school and wasn't addressing the issues of trans characters in high school because that's not really what it was supposed to be about um i also don't like the fact that they basically i know that zach morris was a jerk if you look in hindsight at the way culture is today as opposed to back then but i also don't like that they would take basically the main character from the last show and just make him the reason for other people's pain 
you know, or and like the reason, like, you know, he basically a screw up. He grew up into a crappy adult, assuming that that's what happened. And it wasn't just, you know, again, we haven't seen anything about it. But none of these elements were in the original show. And this is my problem with reboots. There's a lot of reboots nowadays that are trying to add their own spice to things. And they're basically using the notoriety of well-known IPs and franchises as a way to get their agendas out there, whether negative or positive, nonetheless agendas. And I kind of feel like everything should be able to stand on its own merit. You want to do a show that's about poverty and about low-income schools and about trans teenagers trying to get by? You have my blessing. But then see if you can get it by on its own merit rather than it being the reason why it catches media attention because it has the name Saved by the Bell in it or anything else or fucking California Dreams or Married with Children. Rather than using the name of something that's known as a way to draw people in and then try to do your own thing, do your own thing. And that's my problem with the entire thing. Again, I'm keeping opinions about the genders and stuff completely separate from that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much like it's elements in Saved by the Bell that weren't there because they weren't needed to be there. So why are they there now? Yeah. yeah as, as much as we criticize Star Wars, if there was Star Wars, right, if the Star Wars reboots would have not been in space, we would have been pissed. You know what I mean? Like if they didn't have the elements of it. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Star Wars is a good comparison when you look at it. even with it being in space. They changed so many elements of what Star Wars meant to people that they divided their community. Sure, there's some cycles out there that enjoy that middle movie, um, The Last Jedi. But at the same time, there's there's no denying the polarizing effect that this new trilogy has had. No denying it whatsoever. And exactly. if, if you don't want to have that polarizing effect, then the most the easiest way to do that would be to not remove what makes something what it is. Strip it down to nothing but the title and coast off of it which is what I feel they did in a lot of ways with Star Wars. Sure, they tried to recover, you know. Sure, sure, they tried to recover. But at the same time, when they tried to recover, uh, it was almost too late. The damage was already done, you know. Yeah, you got a point there for sure. Definitely yeah. got a point there. Yeah. But I mean, but, but you it, know what? it's one of those things where it's like, I almost Yeah, but wanna... you know what? You know what, Joe? Well, representation, fine. Represent with something new. Very simple. Represent with something new. It doesn't have to be an existing IP. If that wasn't the person's original vision for the thing, sometimes that's not always necessarily a good thing to do at the end of the day. The person who made Saved by the Bell, whether you like it or not, had a specific vision and that's what they had. Look at Seventh Heaven, right? And God help me to have to use Seventh Heaven as a metaphor. No pun, no, no pun <laughs> intended with the, no pun intended with the God help me. But the point being, I've never watched a single episode of Seventh Heaven. I'm aware of it through trailers and maybe channel surfing and syndication. Whoever made that show, and this is just from speculation because I don't know anything, they clearly had a vision. They were Christian or something, right? I hope I'm right. If I'm not, I apologize. But they had a good God. No pun intended. But they had a vision of a religious family having specific old fashioned family values. And things in the modern world, modern at that time, at times testing and even compromising those family and religious values. Whether or not you agree with being that religion and having those values is 100% subjective and it's, and it's your free will. But it is an unignorable fact that whoever made this had a vision of a specific message with specific values. So if I suddenly made a Seventh Heaven reboot, right, and the difference with this one is it was all Islam, all Iran, whatever, 
and we're all praising Allah. The only difference in this version is that instead of having the good old wholesome Christian family values is that it's the same premise, but with praising Allah. No Bible, oh. the Cor- no Bible, the Quran. You know what I'm saying? No. You know, you see what I'm saying? And it's kind of like people would be offended. Religious people would be offended. They would tell me, why don't I go and just make a different show and not call it Seventh Heaven and sort of spit in the face of what it was done? You see what I mean? So it's kind of like, and they're right. There's no reason why a show that has those values for that culture shouldn't exist if they want to make it. But why would it have to be named Seventh Heaven? It's just a little bit strange. And I know it's a weird metaphor, but I'm just trying to get the point across that uh, at the end of the day, make your own shit. You know, you, everyone wants to spread messages, but they want to use other people's ravens, you know? Yeah, send, pretty much. Send your own raven. Write it down. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I you know, knew it. <laughs> send your own raven. I mean that. If you have a message that you want to spread, that's fine. But don't spread it on the coattails of someone else's work. That's all I'm saying. Like You have no idea. I was reaching for the phone before you got to the period. Yeah. Don't do it on the coattails of other people's work. It is completely unnecessary. And it's because they had a specific vision. Even Watchmen, the HBO series, which I originally criticized the pilot, but then went on to watch it and actually loved it, by the way. It's still guilty of that. It's the original creator. We're not going to get into all the stuff that happened, uh, but he didn't want there to be anything after the original graphic novel. He also didn't want there to be merchandising. He's not cool with the movie, even the movie, which was true to like 90% of the source material. He didn't want that. He didn't want that. It wasn't intended to have a continuation. He didn't like that. The fact that he did it and we enjoyed it, it's almost a guilty pleasure. It's like eating a Big Mac. You know that this isn't supposed to be, but you're enjoying it for the moment, knowing it's wrong. I hate to say it, but Watchmen falls in that category. And I think they did a brilliant job. If it was going to continue, that should, that's a great sequel. I, I absolutely love it. But at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, and that's a moral choice. Are we disrespecting the, the, the original creator's vision? When we allow somebody to just pick off where they left off. Now, this new creator, just to segue a little bit, he said after season one, he doesn't have a clear cut path, but that if HBO has somebody else and they have a good story to go ahead and take it. There's, you know, different creators, different stories for different folks. If he feels, hey, listen, go ahead and take this and run with it, even though it wasn't his to take in the first place. But the example is just that he he's not as picky about that. But going back to Save by the Bell, I digress. I don't know too much about the creator. I don't care to know. But at the same time, it would look better if people spread whatever message they had, whatever religion they had, whatever sexuality they had through their own content and stopped rehashing things. And even if you're not trying to spread a message and even if you're not trying to do something that you don't have another agenda, maybe stop rehashing things anyway. Even if you're trying to be true to it in every single way possible, and even if you have nothing but an intent of honoring the material and not spreading any message about race, culture, ethnicity, sexuality, even if you just want it to continue, maybe not. Maybe just allow people to have their stuff end when they want it to end and don't bring it back and try to stop go baiting people into your own propaganda for uh, th- through nostalgia. Yeah, some things you can just leave them be. You know, and yeah, Alan Moore's opinion, I think, is, is valid because of the fact that the man created Watchmen, Joe. He created the damn thing. I think he should have some right. He did not want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I get the legalities of how they did it, but they, they literally loopholed the man into having more stuff. If he wanted there to be a beginning, middle and end, George Lucas, going back to that, he thought that the emperor should be dead at the end of the, the trilogy. I think the emperor should have been dead. I think that it's crazy that they, they, they retconned that so much that, you know, it's like, look, we just have to bring the emperor back. You know, I, I've, uh, at the end of the day, there's just so much stuff. Listen, dude, and, and there we go. How dare the name of Saved by the Bell be disgraced, that touchstone. But that's your opinion. You know what I mean? It still doesn't change the fact that it's somebody's work. Exactly. Like, 
You don't have to like Saved by the Bell. That's fantastic. And, and, and I shouldn't even have to still like Saved by the Bell. But. And I shouldn't have to raise an argument about why if it were oversaturated with reboots and people should try to be original in their miserable lives rather than bringing things back and returning things and rebooting things. It's crazy that we even have to explain without adding any kind of stuff, without adding any political, religious, sexual, which is sad that it's become that everyone's just trying to pepper their own shit into it without adding any of that. Why couldn't we just have a show in a high school with that exact same plot and not call it Saved by the Bell? Can somebody explain that to me? Especially, Joel, in the chat room, you're, if you're bad-mouthing Saved by the Bell so much, then isn't it more so of a reason why this new series should stand on its own two feet and not carry not only the name of a known franchise, but one that you directly are opposed to that don't think was that good? Why not just be their own thing then? Why not completely not do that then? This goes for that Ghostbusters. The new Ghostbusters coming out. Whether we're talking about the one with the women or the new one that looks like it's it's fucking Goonies. Whether we're talking about either one of those, why do it? Why not not do that? All we got to do is do our own shit. That's all I'm saying. And I don't think that that's an unfair request. And the reason I'm emphasizing that is because I don't want people to say that it's about that I'm making it a trans thing or or a race thing or anything. It wasn't about the women being in it wasn't about the women being in Ghostbusters. It wasn't about uh well, I don't want to spoil Watchmen, but it wasn't about the change in, in uh specific characters in Watchmen. Uh for anybody who's watched it, you know what I'm talking about. It wasn't and it, and it's certainly not about the, the trans situation with Saved by the Bell. It's about all of the above, including none of the above, because it's about reboots. Just don't reboot, remake, reshoot any fucking thing anymore. We don't need that. It is crazy that everything we watch is just a remake slash reboot of something else that we've watched. I just don't know how people are okay with this. Yeah, something half the fun of going back to some old things was that it was that old thing. Marcus it was the fact that it was redone, rehashed, rebooted, nothing. Just it's just cool going back to that old thing. Like it was like a, I found myself watching old uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air episodes the other day. Because it, it was a funny part about it was that it wasn't a reboot. It was those ones who aired way back in the day. That's half the entertainment sometimes. Exactly. Not everything and, needs to get rebooted. Sometimes it's just the enjoyment of knowing, wow, that's what it looked like way back then. Exactly. Not just the way it looks like right now. And Joe Wolf says some stories should be redone in a new time and age because they are timeless. But listen, that's the whole purpose and definition of something being timeless. That no matter when you watch it, kind of like Star Wars, no matter, and I hate to keep going, but no matter when you watch it, it's literally timeless. It's like you're misusing timeless. Okay, you can't have a period piece, even if it's an unintentional period piece, be timeless. All, almost all shows become period pieces. What's a period piece, you might ask? Well, look at Harlots. Harlots is a period piece. They made that with the intention of it being this specific timeline. King Kong is a period piece. But at the time, King Kong wasn't a period piece. Because there's a King Kong version where it was actually fucking 1930. They weren't saying, hey, let's do a thing about what it was like back then. The Peter Jackson version, however, is a period piece. Trying to create that level of the way things are back then. When something's timeless, it can never be a period piece. The reason I use Star Wars is because whether you were in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, now, when you look at that story and the music and the way that it's done, it doesn't feel like it was in any specific time. It doesn't feel like this is an 80s movie. It doesn't feel like it's a 70s movie. It doesn't feel like it's 2000. It's literally timeless. It's designed in a way where no matter when you watch it, when you pick it up, almost like when you look at stuff like, uh, I don't know, when, when, when you look at like Shakespeare or Hamlet, you know, these are literally timeless 
Yeah. You know, that, that was half the entertainment of it. And those days, since we're now rebooting Fresh Prince, you stop it right now. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got Uncle Phil no more. Stop it. They won't even need Uncle Phil. Will will be Uncle Phil. He'll be Uncle Will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's going to be Jaden in the taxi. Oh, God. Yeah, you know. Now I kind of want it. <laughs> you seen that one meme out there, right? Where it's Will Smith. It's a split screen with Will Smith and uh, Will, Uncle Phil and Will Smith, the way he looks currently. And when you look at them side by side, Will right now looks just like Uncle Phil. And it's yeah. it like if you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become Uncle Phil or you either die the first person, you know, because he looks just like him. Now, fuck it. Have Uncle Will. There you go. Oh, man. It's probably going to happen, dude. It's more likely to happen. Oh, God. They have so much ammo. They're going to do it. It's going to happen. But you see what the point is? And and some things work. I'm not saying everything doesn't work but i'm just saying that's heavily it's a heavy crutch especially when sjw's and the left has gone as far as to go back to save by the bone and hindsight ridicule the way the the story layout was and the fact the person that zach morris is and it's kind of like hey this extremely extremely offensive content that we're going back to we're gonna do a reboot of it and we're gonna and we're gonna (laughs) you know what i mean like what you're bullshitting me right yeah is that a joke is that a troll like like after all that really there's isn't there like a series on on youtube from funnier dies called um zach morris's trash and it's just little clips of things that he did and just how when you really were to look at the big picture he's a horrible person oh my god (laughs) okay see mark come on my come on stop that mark you stop it right now yeah, let's do ex- I like that, Mark. All in the family, oh, the family reboot. <laughs> but, but you know what I want? I want it to be well I, I wish that I wish that uh Pop was still alive, man, because he'd be the Archie. That's what I would do. You know what? Fuck it. Because it was the one I used to watch whenever I used to come from high school. According to Jim Reboot. Let's go. Yeah. No, but you know what I like about All in the Family? Because that's what it would be. It would be a black family that's oh, racist to white people. Think of how cool that would be if Archie was like I said. I, I wish that aside from Boondocks, I wish that Pop was alive to be Archie in this. I would, I would literally, I would pay good money to see Pop in the role of Archie. I feel like, I feel like that's when we as a fucking society will have officially come full circle. Oh, if God. we would have lived to see Pop sitting in that chair. <laughs> <laughs> And he's telling his family that he don't want to be about these crack ass crackers. <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to correct the poor man. <laughs> oh, God. Can you oh, imagine how great? Damn it, man. <laughs> you know? And then you'd be telling your kids that this used to be a story about racist white people and now it's a story about racist black people. <laughs> how the tables have turned. <laughs> just change the lyrics around and we used to be all slaves oh no 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 <laughs> no put our oh, parents God. in their graves we might have to we might have to fund this reboot like i'll throw in some bucks like all right now i'll make some sacrifices Christ yeah heaven. pretty much right and then that's, there you go mark will reboot the whole fucking thing because remember that's where the jeffersons came from they were the neighbors <laughs> the- the, the Jeffersons were the neighbors and all in the family, and then they got their own show eventually. But this, the Jeffersons is a spinoff, so yeah, we'll have the white Jeffersons. We'll introduce them. See, it'll be see, it'll be um. Por- this is the portal when you start fucking with Saved by the Bell that you have opened. Yeah. All right, the, the white Jefferson. Fuck it, it'll literally be Marcy and Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, white good times, good ahead now. White good times. White, white, what's happening? Except they would definitely not have a basketball in the intro to that shit. 
damn. Let's just switch it all up. You know what I want to do? I can't wait for the reboot more. It's a dynamite. We get fantastic. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe like everything else in our culture, this just needs to be saturated. We need to give some people so much that they that they just can't take it anymore, and then they want to stop it. Like no more, please stop. No, let's talk about one more. Y'all want to start this shit? Let's finish. Let's do it. I want I want a reboot of Pretty Woman with a trans lead that's played by Joe Rogan. Instead of instead of uh, oh, no, that's serious. Why not? Why can't why can't Joe Rogan be Pretty Woman? What does he have? If he was type Joe Rogan identified as <laughs> Joe Rogan, or or or, or uh, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know who the hell to put into that role. Oh my god! Fuck it, Seth Rogan. Have Seth Rogan be Pretty Woman. <laughs> pretty Woman walking down the street, and it's fucking Seth Seth Rogan. Living single. <laughs> different strokes reboot different strokes reboot where uh i don't know who, who who could we have as the lead for different strokes oh shit i can't even think of anybody come on chat room help me out who would be a good lead if you were to racially swap different strokes <laughs> which i would be giddy as hell about that i'd make it obama obama would adopt two white kids you get a race swapped reboot of martin martin you can't reboot martin without martin Hey, you can find a white guy named Martin. Fuck it. We'll go. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be Martin Short as the lead, right? There you go. <laughs> see, we figured it out. <laughs> but you see, you can shit on it. You can ruin anything. Anything. Just just change a few things about it, you know? Just change anything about it. I want there to be, like, ne- the next Wonder Woman should be a black man. <laughs> I think Wonder Woman should be Samuel L. Jackson next time. Oh my God, no! I mean, we could do whatever. That's what we're basically be telling people, right? That we could do, you know, we could do whatever. Mark's head pops as the dad, and Macaulay Culkin and Justin Bieber as the kid. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You see what I mean? We do it, do it to everything. I mean, how do they like it? Do it to everything. I'd like to see. Well, what was that one that Joe likes? Twin Peaks. I want Twin Peaks, but I want all the gender swaps. And I want to all be black people, and it's in Harlem. <laughs> Start swinging wild, fuck it. No, that's what I want. You know, why? Why can't I have that vision? Why can't I have that vision? I think it's good representation of black people to be more emphasized in Twin Peaks. Oh dear lord! You know, I, walk, I, walk, walk, Walker Texas Ranger, but it's all black people is in the ghetto. Yeah, I want Luke Cage rebooted with the lead Brock Lesnar. Luke <laughs> Cage. I want Iron Fist, but Alistair Black. <laughs> yeah, you know, like we could do whatever we want. Nothing has to have any structure because structure is abstract. The whole world is our muse. And you can literally just take whatever you want and just change things about the sexuality, gender, nature of it, intention of it, and just splatter it on the screen. And no one can. And if anyone says anything about it, then you're you're either sexist, racist, angry, trolly, toxic. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter at all. We can just literally take anything. Come on. Keep going. I want you guys to send me this shit on Twitter throughout the rest of the uh, the entire week. Just different. Okay, different okay, I'll uh, do it. Yeah, just different things that we could just change the whole thing around and have a blast. Just have a good old fucking time here. Just doing whatever. Yeah, boondocks, but instead of granddad, it's George Bush. Yeah, home alone. Oh. oh. But I want it to be a trans black girl. And I want it to be played by the little girl who, who was in, uh, what's that movie with the, with the clones? Us? Oh, no. Which, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this shit the other day. I want her to be left. I want her to be left home alone. Oh, jeez. Which one? Her or her twin? 
Either one. Both of them. That's what Even both you, home I'm alone. Both happy ass home alone. Ain't nobody going to that fucking house. You know. Atlanta. <laughs> I'm going to call it Buckhead. Buckhead. What you mean, Mark? Call it Buckhead like Buckhead ain't here. Yeah. I ain't too far out. Okay, don't joke like that. The point is, it's not jabbing at this remake. It's jabbing at remakes in general. Remakes are fucking stupid. And we don't need them. I'd rather have new material. I don't want to hear that anyone is a different culture, ethnicity, freaking sex, or even political agenda than they used to be. Just because a few times it's worked out doesn't mean that you're not messing it up a lot of the times. Yeah, it's it's worked out a lot fewer times than it's had it's not worked out a lot more than it's worked out nick fury is one of the few times it worked out but you know what they dipped their toes in with that it's not like they went because black nick fury no they literally go back i was a heavy comic reader go back to the ultimate universe it was an alternate universe first introduced in comic books where nick fury happened to be black in that universe and it was years and years of them establishing that universe and that tier of characters before they incorporated parts of it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It wasn't just a, a, a change the way that they're doing lately. Look at Miles Morales. That's another case of it working properly. But you know what I like about Miles Morales? I like that Miles Morales is Miles Morales. He's not Peter Parker. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not he's that this is another world where, where Peter Parker is half black, half Hispanic. and No, he's another guy completely. He's a different Spider-Man. For me, I think that that's the way I like stories to be told. I like for it to be that eventually the next generation takes over and they continue. I like the fact that Kamala Khan, I think that's a great character. And I like that she's different from Carol Danvers and she's Miss Marvel. And I think that that really works. I like when they put their own stamp. If you're going to do it, really do it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Will you feel like you're expanding our universe? Not rewriting history, but I'd rather it be an expansion of the universe. That's how you incorporate it, you know? And I think that that's really what they need to do more of. When you pass the torch, passing of the torch is usually seen as a positive thing in a lot of media, in a lot of, in a lot of different uh, content. Exactly. I mean, a perfect example of a remake that... I think at least you might think I don't know if you agree if it worked. It wasn't a TV show, but it'd be in a movie, uh Broly. The Broly we the Broly remake retold that same story through a different through different elements into it, but it made it work. Yeah. Well, you know what? That entire series, if you're talking about Dragon Ball, just the entire series as a whole is a good example of not just trying to reuse stuff, even though, yeah, it's it, they have certain algorithms that are part of the DBZ universe, the DB universe in general. But at the end of the day, there was a lot of different points in which the torch was passed. Granted, you have your main character, but the fact that the character was able to have children and those children were able to grow up. And those children were able to have children. And at times that main character can be out of the picture. And instead you're using these other characters. You know what I mean? It's like, to me, that's better. Look at Naruto with the fact that I don't really even watch that series, but the fact that I know the guy grew up in different series and then it became about his son, as opposed to like having 300 episodes and then somebody rebooted and Naruto's black now. And we're starting from the beginning and he's back in school and, you know, Hinata is fucking trans now because they have to be represented too. So we're starting from the beginning with a trans Hinata and a black Naruto. That, you know what I mean? What the fuck is going on? Like, what's cool is that the torch is passed differently from that. I don't, I don't, again, I don't like this. It's just weird that everything has to have some sort of a signature on it from a different community instead of just making your own shit. They say, why can't there be more black superheroes? Let's make more black superheroes then. I don't right. think that the solution is to turn the white ones black. That's weird. You know, because then eventually 
if you skip if you tip the scales enough, you'll be saying, "Why can't we have more white superheroes?" <laughs> and then we'll you know, be right back when we about, started. How about why can't we have more superheroes and let's make some new ones that that have different ethnicities and incorporate them in with the ones that are already existing? So that my suspension of disbelief, knowing that this is fictional anyway, isn't stretched as far as for me to believe that somebody changed. Yeah, there you go, Static Shock. There's a I see Mark's on fire tonight. That, that's what I'm talking about. Static Shock is an awesome <laughs> character. I like him a lot. Yeah, and I he's fresh. I he's totally not a enjoyed him. You know, I think the Static Shock partially inspired Miles Morales because you find a lot of qualities in the Static Shock thing uh, that you do in, in the thing, and that goes to show that DC was way ahead of his time because a lot of people don't even realize. I don't know how, but Static Shock is part of the DC universe. He's not just some random yeah. guy that they just drew on. There. That's a fucking character in the DC universe that works very well. And he's not somebody else. It's not like he's Batman. He's Static no. Shock. Just Static Shock? Damn, I gotta go watch Static Shock again. Fuck, damn it, Mark. <laughs> just, it's just weird to me, man. Like, I, I don't like that. And whether you like Saved by the Bell or not, leave it in the past. Yeah. The whole point of this isn't whether you like it or not. It's just it shouldn't be redone. Yeah. Regardless of whether you like it or not. Yeah, pretty much. Right, the latest thing I'm hearing, they're gonna redo... Uh, they're going to redo WrestleMania 14, and Shawn Michaels is going to be black. He's going to be played by Austin Creed. You know. Just, <laughs> oh, shit. You know. stupid. Like I said, <laughs> and, and to me, I think if you don't, you don't have to take my word for it. Look back at our history and look at how often changing something as opposed to making something new has worked out for us. You always get more when you get something new as opposed to if you change something old. The characters that we're mentioning, like Static Shock, like Miles Morales, like Kamala, these are all characters that uh thankfully someone didn't just turn Carol Danvers black or 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 uh Arabic or or whatever she is and they didn't turn Peter Parker black you know they decided we want new characters and now we have the benefit of not only that you get to see those characters play off of each other you know what i mean you get to see Peter Parker hang out with Miles Morales very cool well, definitely so I would like people to add more to stories without changing the elements that are already there. And that way the stories can grow and develop into other stories that have other things. So again, that was just my talk. And I know, sorry, we had to say about about as the gateway into this, but, um, you know, <sighs> what do you want to yep. talk about in the, in the world of rivaling? Well, I mean, we could talk about one of the most fun and smash mouth nights of the evening. One year in the making. Okay, you, I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah, uh, Blackpool 2, NXT UK's now, what, fourth ever takeover? Yeah. I'm, again, and I've said this before, I'm not a UK, NXT UK guy at all. Um, Not that I don't like it. I just haven't had the time for it. That being said, I yeah. did have it on in the background while I while I put together our program today. Uh, so I did watch all of it, and I did enjoy it. I'm going to give you the floor mainly about this, though. Because uh, this is yeah. more your thing and you're more familiar. Like At this point, some of the guys I didn't even recognize. I think the whole thing was very well done and very well put together, though. Yeah, definitely. One thing I did notice about this Blackpool was that a lot of uh, a lot of guys who didn't who haven't gotten to shine as much got their night to shine. But uh, yeah, of course, this is the anniversary of the first ever NXT takeover for the UK. And they kicked it off in smashing fashion. Our first match of the evening, we had... Uh, the returning Eddie Dennis against Trent Seven, and to finish this match after tossing uh, Seven into the ri- into a, a exposed ring, uh, exposed turnbuckle, then Razor's edging him over the fucking ropes to the outside. You think laying on a security guy? 
I can't remember, um, if I can lifely remember what the name of the move he hit him with, but it's uh, a dance finisher. Uh, oh, the next stop driver. Yeah, the next stop driver. Yeah, um, Eddie Dennis finishes one third of British Strong Style. This match was very interesting, very violent physical match. Um, I know Eddie Dennis had been out for about eight months with a pec injury, but I mean, dude came back with a vengeance. This was, uh, I believe, his first takeover. And, I mean, nothing, nothing too special. Definitely a text, a textbook match. Exactly what you'd expect from these guys. I've always said one of my favorite things about Trent Seven is when he comes out for his entrance, he seems like the most excited person in the room. But, <laughs> but yeah, this really was does. a huge display. I mean, Trent Seven's chops are nuts. They sound like they hurt so bad. Uh, went from multiple attempts for um, his variation of the Rainmaker. He calls the Seven Star Lariat. But this match was definitely quite a good welcome back for Eddie Dennis. I think it was definitely meant for him to shine in this one. Yeah, very well good. Both of those guys did a lot of stuff. Yeah, and as crazy as nuts as this match was, this was probably one of the weakest ones of the night. Which for a UK takeover, that's not really a bad thing. Not at all. That just means you're the ma- that just means you were the match where the least likely somebody got injured. Yeah. But. And then you had Kaylee Ray against Tony Storm against Piper Niven. Yep. For the and NXT the UK women's title match. And uh, before you even get into the finish, I just want to say I like the build to this. I like yes. the fact that uh, you had basically the two of them because for a while, Tony Storm was gone. And uh, she had an alliance with Piper Niven and Kaylee Ray was like the outside heel looking in. I like the fact that uh, they had that bit of uh, controversy where Tony basically asked Piper as a favor to stay out of this title situation in order for her to focus on Kaylee Ray. Yeah, because Tony basically, even is rare to see a face admit this, she didn't feel like she had an identity without that UK women's title. Yeah, and I like that it led into that little uh, scene in the ring where uh, basically Piper instinctively headbutts Tony, and she's like, oh man, what did I do? Like when she's on the floor after she did it, and she goes, <laughs> and she goes to help her up, which obviously leads to the two of them coming to blows, and you know, the whole thing with Kaylee right at the top of the ramp, just basically saying that she let them fall out without having to really do too much, and just playing the head games. I thought that was very well done. Yeah, this match was it's one of the better builds I've seen in a long time. Kaylee Ray has been a phenomenal champion. I mean, Piper Niven, this being, I believe, her first takeover. The girl's absolutely been incredible. And it was good to see Tony get back to takeover again, because this is the takeover where she won the women's championship. But it's been very interesting to see her almost kind of unraveling um with everything that's going on and when we get into nxt it's kind of funny how much of more of almost like a chip on her shoulder she's had but uh yeah the finish of this match after several near falls um tony storm goes for a frog splash but gets super kicked out of the pin and kaylee ray pins piper niven to retain her women's championship yep and after i gotta say kylie kaylee ray looked really good but also uh i like that sequence where tony tried to hit the storm zero but she couldn't get her up, so she winds up transitioning into a pedigree somewhat on uh, on freaking yeah. Piper. It was like an elevated. Pe- it was like some kind of almost like an elevated pe- pedigree. Yeah, which yeah, was like was very really cool. good innovation to be able to think on your feet. Like there's a reason that girl was women's champion as long as she was. But um, the one thing I like that Nigel said about Kaylee Ray, it's become very true. That girl does not give a fuck about her physical safety. She oh. threw her body every which way she could in this match. A couple of nasty landings, too. I know um, at one point, Tony managed to hit Storm Zero on Piper. And 
Kaylee hits this swanton from about halfway across the ring, but she lands all back of the head and neck. Mm-hmm. It looked yeah. like that landing was not fun. I noticed with that swanton that she does, man, because uh, didn't she also hit one on NXT, on regular NXT? I think she did. I noticed that her, that, that spot, she always seems to sort of swanton and she almost hits herself in the back of her head slash neck when she rotates she lands really I, high with that one i the, didn't notice it in uk i didn't scary. notice it in, i didn't notice it in uk but i want to say this week on nxt i saw her i think and she hit that same thing and i remember thinking what you're saying now like is her it's such an odd angle but what's like what i like about it is the fact of where she hit this one at blackpool you could tell her swanton is it isn't like Jeff's, where Jeff's is built more for height. Hers is built more for distance. She can yeah. hit you from almost anywhere with that move. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. she had a beautiful uh, springboard into that same, basically a tope, a, a tope slash swanton to the outside, taking out both Niven and Piper. Like these girls threw their bodies every which way they could in this match. Mm-hmm. They Absolutely did. amazing performance. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's just a matter of what's next for Kaylee Ray because chances are it's not. I can almost get it's damn sure not over between her and Tony. No, this is a uh, Piper's first taste at championship gold, so she knows she's gonna want another crack at it. Especially so, since they did such a good job of developing that angle between the three of them. Oh so yeah, now. this is definitely gonna be another case where it's not over between these two. It's just a matter of what's gonna change the second time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then next up, what I think a lot of people are saying was match of the night. Big surprise anytime uh, Tyler Bates involved, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, the the original first ever UK champion Tyler Bates versus the Irish ace Jordan Devlin, and the finish to this match. <laughs> good God, the finish to this match after um, failing to get up to get the win with the Tyler Driver ninety seven. Tyler immediately rockets up. To um the top turnbuckle so fast I almost didn't even see him I blinked and he was there he hits that uh corkscrew senton and beats uh Jordan Devlin mm-hmm. this match you couldn't have told you you would you couldn't have you wouldn't have been able, um if somebody would have told me this was Jordan Devlin's first takeover I wouldn't have believed him yeah right that well, kid I mean, has been on fire yeah nah, really solid but it wasn't his first match in all fairness right against uh against Bate. No, they fought in uh, the original UK tournament. So this is uh, they were building this as a rematch three years in the making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sense. how far the both of them have come, everything they did to each other, like that that airplane spin. <laughs> I don't understand how that man has not yacked all over the ring doing it. Because he did it and then he got faster and faster and faster. <laughs> That spot has always been really crazy. I like when he crouches down like he's going to stop and he gets a second win and lifts him back up and he keeps going. It's like, that is ridiculous, man. What strength that kid that has. spot so much. Yeah. One of my favorite things um, that uh, Jordan did, because I've never seen, I don't think, I know I've seen him do this move, but I've never seen him do it like he did. They were, they were both at the top turnbuckle and Devlin turns them all the way around into that avalanche Spanish fly. Yeah. That yeah, that, that looked nasty. I mean, Jordan uh, De- Jordan Devlin's finish with the Devlin side, probably one of my favorite finishers. That's just really not all that complicated, mm-hmm. because all it is is um you're on your hands and knees. He grabs you by one arm, yanks you into the air, and hits a sidedo suplex. 
Yeah, yeah, very solid stuff. Uh, absolutely incredible match. Like it, Jordan Devlin, you could tell they're very high on him because they gave him a massive opportunity. From when I can catch um, NXT UK, I always see that guy winning. I think he right now, for the past few months, he has probably one of the best win-loss records in NXT UK. The guy has been white hot. He's been beating everybody. Yeah, Mark so, says that uh, the Tyler Bates should do the uh, the Ulcazaro UFO move. Oh, God. Oh, the freaking... Oh, no. Uh, you know what the sad part about it is? He'll do it. And the, and the best part about it is he'll sell that shit out of it. Because keep in mind, this is a kid who at 19 years old could get a wave over. So... Because yeah, well, I, <laughs> I was pretty fucking strong, though, man. So was fucking Tyler Bate. <laughs> we were there for Cardiff. We've seen it. But... <laughs> But yeah, absolutely uh, amazing match by Tyler Bate. I'm looking forward to see what the future has for Jordan Devlin because Jordan only barely lost to him. Like mm-hmm. they that that he easily could have won that match at any point. So it's definitely it looks like there's a bright future for him for sure. Yeah, very good stuff. And then up next, Home Depot hide your shit better. Because we had a four-way ladder match for the NXT UK champion, UK Tag Team Championships. Imperium versus Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster versus the Grizzled Young Veterans versus the NXT UK Tag Champions, Mark Coffee and Wolfgang of Gallus. And to think, a, a fucking ladder broke. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it, right? Yeah, a ladder <laughs> got shattered in this. Yo, the- <laughs> They beat the fuck out of each other in this match. But somehow, by the power of Grayskull, Gallus survived and retains their uh, tag team championships. Mm-hmm. Oh, this match was wild. At one point in time, this was there were literally eight bodies and five ladders all in the ring at the same time. It looked like the Erector set from Hell, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. And those spots frightened me because I'm like every I was like it it, it it's it was the worst thing I've ever seen. At every maybe few seconds for a solid minute, there were bodies hitting the floor. After a while, it just looked like a big gigantic structure more than anything. Yeah, it, it looked like a, it it looked like a fucking erector set. Like there were there were the three ladders set up in the center, the typical spot you've seen. But the other two ladders were bridged in that little ladder bridge spot we've seen like a thousand times. Yep. It's just, it was chaotic. I mean, the one thing I did see, uh, it was kind of the, I'm not the table. Uh, <laughs> the t- the table that was bridged on the outside uh, that Mark Coffey was on, It, I think like, uh, Andrews punched him and then the thing just broke. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, guess the... Uh, a table could not quite cut it, but that was a. It was one of the only, probably the only kind of inner funny parts of the match. Yeah, well, when when Andrews uh, took the candlestick and he broke it, you know, yeah, well, he, basically he went to he went to town on uh, on those dudes. The uh, the, the grizzly young veteran Zach Gibson. I think veterans, Zach yeah. had like one of having a welt that went across his left arm and the left side of his back. Very rarely do you see a, a candlestick break like that, where the top of it looked yeah. like it exploded. It looked like it looked like somebody shot at it. Yeah, but I mean this this match was all over the place. What was so cool and a really detail and a really cool detail I don't even know if it was mentioned when you look at the history of the NXT UK Tag Champions Championship, all the champions were in this match together. The Grizzled Young Veterans who were the first, 
Morgan and Webster, who were the second, and now Gallus, who were the, who are, um, the current ones. And then Imperium were the only ones who had never um, had the championship. So it's a really interesting pedigree when it came to, to the star power in this match. But for, um, I, I forgot because he's been in Imperium so long how athletic Fabian Eichner is. That's the, that double springboard onto a ladder that Morgan Webster was on, where it looked like Webster was going to cry when he came back off of it. Like, yeah, just. Man. <sighs> Don't kill yourselves in this company, man. It's only noon over here. <laughs> right. I don't want to watch somebody die after 11.59. Like, I don't need this in my life. This was nuts. <laughs> this this match already scared me that it was a ladder match, but I was like, oh, it's NXT UK's first ladder match. Oh, Christ. But, yeah, Gallus retains, and, I mean, definitely capped off what wasn't the greatest week in the world for them, but they definitely capped it off on a good night, on a good note. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then, of course, the main event of the evening for the NXT UK Championship, the Iron King, Joe Coffey, the leader of Gallus, versus the Ing General, as he calls it, the Ring General, Walter. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, uh... This, this one was rough. Yeah, the this finish one to was... this was Walter hitting a power bomb. Um, and by the way, Walter's chops are crazy. The sound some of those made. I thought yeah. Coffee was going to. I thought his, I thought his chest was going to start looking like Kofi's chest after a while. I used to think that Bully Ray had the best chops. No, <laughs> Walter's chops have. There are horror stories on the indies of Walter's chops. The first. I was checking my phone on the first chop that he did during that <laughs> match, right? No bullshit. I was checking my phone on the first chop that he did. And I heard it and looked up. And I literally said, I wonder what that was. Because like, <laughs> I, was, I was looking at the two of them and I'm like, what was that? You know, like I couldn't, I couldn't even figure out. I'm like, I can't figure out what he did. Because it can't be a chop. I was like, what did he do that made that sound? And then he did it again. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, those are chops. This is legit. How the hell is he chopping so hard? He, there was, there was one, there was one point where Walter had him by the wrist and he chopped him once and it made kind of like that typical Walter chop sound. But the second one, it's like he hit him from the inside. And I just saw, this is a man who survived probably one of the worst last man standing match I've seen against Dave Massive. I just watched Joe crumble. Like, Walter's chops knock the soul out of you. <laughs> like, his chop... Like, let's be real. Walt, they could have just had Walter's chops be his finishing move. Everybody accept it. When it sounds like that. And hits that hard. <laughs> I wish I would have isolated that sound so we could play it on here, man. <laughs> Where did he say that we got to? Yeah, that's a keeper. Like, Jesus Christ, I heard stories. When Walter first came to NXT UK, the first thing one of my friends said was, who's going to chop? And I was like, what do you mean, who's going to chop? And he shows me this compilation on the indies of what sounds like people are getting shot. And that I'm like... Was, you could hear, go back, you could hear it bounce off the walls of that place. <laughs> like, if there was I, ever, if there was ever a riot, right, where most people would shoot, like, a gun into the air, he'll just grab someone and chop them. Exactly, yeah. and they get the same effect. Yeah, literally, because they got the same effect for me. I looked up, like, what was that? Like, I, I, there was one of them. I looked away because I think I was eating something. I looked away and I thought somebody got shot. Yeah, I was like, oh god, they're having riots. What is this? Yeah. I don't understand. 
But, but yeah, no, this this Walter. was absolutely incredible. I mean, Joe Coffey, tough as nails. It's kind of funny that he was competing for the UK Championship because it was the same scenario last year, except the guy that Walter beat Pete Dunne. And it was just as physical of a beating that he dished out and took the last time. Yeah, that was really something else. Yeah, but I mean, and Joe Coffey basically eventually wound up submitting after getting his leg ripped apart. I mean... The the ring general thing is not just a name. Like Walter is probably one of the smartest big men I've seen. And the things he does to people, the way he just breaks your body down, tears you apart piece by piece. It, it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I'll never understand how you could be somebody be like, hey, I'm gonna take a Walt like you're gonna take a Walter chop in this match. Like, fuck you mean I'm taking a Walter chop. No, I'm not. <laughs> you you could take one. Fuck out of here. I heard the stories, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you feel it in your whole body, right? Like, yes, I tell you something. Like Next time somebody tells you everything's fake and nothing's hurt, let, 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 let Walter chop them one good time. And if they get back up, ask them again. But uh, yeah, Walter retains his UK championship, continues his amazing reign, but the party was not over. Because there's a little thing coming, I believe, Royal Rumble weekend called Worlds Collide. And Walter got a sneak preview because the Undisputed Era showed up and basically wiped Walter out. Yep. What's up, Shane? Yeah, uh-huh. they, I didn't. I wasn't sure what was happening at first. And hey, you know what? This pay-per-view actually was in the UK, right? Yep. I know it's, it's nitpicky. I know it's nitpicky, but this whole thing would have had a better effect for me. If uh, the UK crowd didn't pop for their heroes getting their asses kicked. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's kind of like, here you have your your uh, your Imperium guys that you're really proud of. Da, 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 stand, and all of a sudden, our guys, who basically are even in our freaking brand, are portrayed as scumbags, come in doing scumbag things. Ha ha, take this. And then everyone's like, yay, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Finn. Look at that. They're ambushing him. Look, he's on his, he's on the ground. He didn't see it coming. Oh, kicked him in his face. <laughs> you know what the funny thing about it is? I agree with you. But the only reason I give I don't give the NXT crowd flack the NXT UK crowd flack about it is first of all they displayed it all night their chance they are having the most fun I think not even admitted like like I doing said once how much fun the NXT UK crowd always has so I think in their head it's like wait a minute we just got what five awesome matches and the undisputed era showed up. Like, <laughs> I feel like for them, that was like the icing on the cake. But I mean, it, it, it was absolutely nuts. I didn't expect that at all. Because, I mean, we had, um, we've gotten, we've gotten teasers here and there of that crossover. The fact that um, in round one of the Dusty Cup, we had Undisputed Air versus Imperium. And at Worlds Collide, we're going to have Imperium versus the Undisputed Air on January 25th. So it's a... Uh, Definitely, the party was not over, was not over for Walter, and I think it's gonna make I think this coming NXT and also Takeover Portland, which is right around the corner, very interesting. And they probably did it mainly because of the Dusty Roads thing, right? I mean, I mean, I could also, see that part of it because yeah, Imperium like wasn't the tournament. Imperium, I believe, was in the tournament as well. So, yeah, so you know, just to keep the two brands sort of intermingled together, which they really should find a way to merge the two, man. 
because uh, honestly, I just think it's too much wrestling in that whole middle section of the week now. And I feel yeah. like if there was anything that's going to get swallowed next, it would be UK. As good as they are, it's just by that point in the week, you've had most people are at maximum saturation level. You know exactly. The only thing I could really see that could save them is if you switch them over to Tuesday because you're catching them at the early time. And let's be real, that's the only thing that's probably going to make freaking backstage relevant is because people are actually going to have just watch wrestling afterwards. Thank you, Spartan Jesus. No, I'm kidding. Thanks, Spartan Jesus. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <but> it, <laughs> oh, yeah. But this was uh, just as usual. What I like about the uh, the UK takeovers is because they do kind of get lost in the shuffle when it comes to the week of wrestling, their takeovers at times feel like a, just in case you forgot we're here, we're going to have about what five six ten guys beat the living shit out of each other for about two hours just so you remember we're still here but yeah i'm hoping things change up for them so they don't get like basically swallowed up in all of this chaos because they're the one brand a lot of people i think kind of tend to forget about which is why i also think worlds collide is going to benefit them as well they already are getting swallowed up though yeah that's a problem they're already kind of they're already they're they're like only like a step ahead of 205 right now yeah, I do. 205 is, I, I forgot about them. When I tell you I wake up on Saturday morning and go through my YouTube feed and I see 205 live clips, I'm like, wait, that happened? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'll catch, like, I still I still catch NXT UK. I catch it maybe, sometimes maybe I'll miss a week. Maybe I'll miss a week or two or something like that. When I tell you I haven't watched 205 live in so long, because I just forget it exists. And by that that late in the week, I literally just don't care. After SmackDown, I'm like, I'm right. That's my break. <laughs> NXT UK has the luck of, at least for me, still being in that time where, like, okay, I just got to get through a little bit more wrestling. But by the time SmackDown's done, 205 Live, it gets screwed. Yeah. And they need to fix that. Like I said, they're, they're, they're trying to conquer to the point where they're saturating the market. Yeah. They're, they're, burning, they're, they're, they're burning some of their own product. And, so it's and, like by the time it gets to a certain point, some of your shows, nobody has the energy to watch them. And Spartan Jesus says he thinks they need to plug NXT UK more. But I mean, honestly, after, at a certain point, you'll just have a show of plugs. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that they are doing, Spartan Jesus, is that's where also this Worlds Collide tournament has uh, been helping. Because it is giving you more chances to see the NXT UK people. The fact that we had both Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm basically get brought over um from uk pete dunn coming back to nxt the fact that travis banks competed maybe two or three nxts in a row they're doing stuff to definitely get them a little bit more exposure but they'd have to do more for them and i think either bringing the two brands together or just having more of that crossover will definitely kind of like um definitely kind of help them a lot more this might be the attempt to it this might be the beginning of a scene i mean it's not the first time they've had crossover and the brands have never felt truly separate yeah, NXT and NXT UK have always been in some kind of way together. They're the closest to together that any two brands are. Yeah, for sure. So here's hoping that something happens with those two brands and we see even more. Yeah, but definitely, I mean, no shocker there. A-plus to take over Blackpool too. 
absolutely incredible show. I was invested from beginning to end. And I was almost a little disappointed when it ended. Not me. I mean, I think that that's another thing that's good about those UK papers. Perfect time. With the pre-show and everything, it was still a few minutes under three hours. And the pre-show oh, yeah. was just a lot of talking. So really, it's a two and a half hour pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The way they get in and they get out, they don't waste any time. It's just go, 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 and go. Yeah, that's the best way to be. That's the way to be, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So next, I guess we should probably talk about Tessa Blanchard, right? Yep. Who wants to talk about Tessa Blanchard? Me. So this guy going to bear with me because I'm looking through the sheets here to see if I could bring this to you in the most coherent way possible. So at some point over the past week, Blanchard had tweeted out saying, hey, women, try supporting one another. Cool things happen. We don't know what this was in regards to. We don't know what what inspired this tweet, but this is what she said. And uh, as a result of this, Sienna had replied to the tweet and she said, hey, remember when you spat in a black woman's face and called her the N-word in Japan? Was that you, quote unquote, supporting women? The audacity of this tweet. And then uh, Chelsea Green also commented saying, put down bullied and belittle countless female co-workers. So uh, she basically is telling her that she's always put down, belittled and bullied them. And then after this, uh, the indie wrestler herself that was called this wound up saying it. Her name is La Black Rose, Puerto Rican pro wrestler. And she said, Sienna and Chelsea, thank you so much. That story, yes, that's happens. Again, this must be just she, her English is not her native language. That's happens on Japan 2017. If Tessa Blanchard do not remember it, can I? I guess she means I can. If Tessa Blanchard doesn't remember it, I do. She's basically saying, Sienna, Chelsea, thank you so much. That story, yes, that happened in Japan of 2017. If Tessa Blanchard doesn't remember, I do, is what she's trying to say. So... That is really messed up. And it doesn't end there. Because I know you would say, what's the what's the speculation with that? Uh, so then Sienna said, the reason I've never said anything until now is because it wasn't my story to tell. I made it clear to LaRosa that I had her back. And today was the day she gave me permission. You can't force someone to come forward, but you can be there for them. That is, quote unquote, supporting women. And, you know, the, the person she did this to, uh, the Black Rose, also said, uh, be kind of hashtag racist is not ridiculous is a hashtag sickness. Ooh, she has some heat, 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 heat. So then, uh, <sighs> Tessa Blanchard tweets. She tweets back and she put, uh, not true. That's my statement. And the most attention I'll give it because of how actually ridiculous it is. And then Priscilla Kelly goes on to tweet. And she says, remember publicly putting me down on Twitter last year for something that didn't involve you whatsoever, then continuing to drag my name to other people for it? Pepperidge Farm remembers. You should probably delete this. Hell tweet. no. And uh, she's talking about, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, do we have it here? You want to taste the tuna? So, what the fuck? <laughs> when, when, when Priscilla Kelly did the you want to taste the, the, the tuna, Tessa Blanchard was one of the people that commented, I am personally disgusted or something like that. And then I guess she must have went on, according to Pris Priscilla Kelly's recollection, to then badmouth her to other people personally and drag her name down. So there's another unrelated thing to the uh, to the N-word. And then uh, 
basically she said i don't know who this is in regards to but she said i've never been anything but kind to you i've dealt with mean girls since i started not saying i'm a saint hell i've had my ups and downs and i've made silly decisions such as life you have zero merit in your comments instead of putting me down here for a little clout you've got my number so tessa saying hey you have a problem with me call her so on then rebel you guys remember rebel from tna the menagerie she said, I like to think people change over time, but I can confirm the bad behavior and non-supportive attitude in Japan. I was there. So um, now you got her saying it. And you have Isla Dawn. Who did Isla Dawn used to be? I don't know if she had a she's, uh, I think she's. I think she's currently in NXT UK. Okay. I haven't seen her in forever, but she's there. As someone who experienced your bullying firsthand, received regular verbal abuse, was spat on. She spat on two people. Look at that. You don't have to just be black to get that bonus. Uh, (laughs) Had rumors spread about me, dealt with multiple attempts by you to blacklist me from other companies, plus more. I just pray you now follow your own advice. I love how she put plus more in parentheses, you know? So Mm. then after that big swall, remember big swall? Cedric Cedric Alexander's wife. He said, so since we tell in stories, Big Swall's turn. I won't speak on all the other stories, but the one about La Rosa, I know personally. This past year at WrestleCade, I spoke to her about this and hashing it out with Tessa. I've spoken to Tessa as well. After talking with La Rosa, and I decided it needed to be dealt with. A conversation needed to happen because this was getting intense over the years. As a black woman, this sickened me that this happened to a friend of mine. We've been dealing with this since it happened. It's just now finding light on social media. People are entitled to deal with this how they want. I just want the world to know the last part of the story. And then after this, uh, Renee Michelle came forward. And apparently this is uh, La Rosa Negra's girlfriend. Because she's written, they I got the call, the call from my girlfriend, La Rosa Negra, of the incident. She made me promise to keep my mouth shut because she was afraid of being black, being blackballed by her. As promised, I did. So I helped her get into Marvelous, which is another Japanese promotion. Wow, she had a transfer. Had to transfer out of there because she didn't want to have to deal with that. Holy crap. So then, uh. Shanna, I don't even know who the hell Shanna is. How many people are that she fuck with? Someone named yeah. Shanna who's in wrestling. Do you know who Shanna? Uh, the name doesn't ring a bell. She said that uh, practice what you preach, sweetheart. She did more nasty stuff in Japan. Never forget, practice what you preach. I stand by uh, the other chick. She's a fun-loving person who would never disrespect anyone. La Rosa. So she came forward too. And the WoW roster... According to, uh, apparently, Dave McLean specifically emailed them all and told them to give no comment to anything about this. I mean, maybe he was scared that more people were going to come forward. I don't know what exactly was going to happen. And uh, Diamante then tweeted out, Remember that time in the movie Mean Girls where everyone railed up their personal stories about Regina George? Yeah, that was a movie made about girls in high school. But here we are on Twitter in 2020. I think everyone can do a little better than this. And then Kira Hogan replied to that and said, I'm saying, though, we're all adults and we all make mistakes. It's our job as humans to learn, grow up and evolve. I'm not speaking on any certain situation. I'm not speaking on any singular person. Us as people need to learn to grow. Everyone needs to evolve. Just some words of wisdom is all. Just some advice. Hell, I'm talking to myself, too. So everybody 
was getting in on this. And then according to Fightful.com, they said that they've heard of instances of situations in the ring of her getting physical due to lack of cooperation. So I guess she would stiff people if she didn't get her way in the ring, you know. And then uh, I guess Sienna went on to say more more stuff. Uh, he says, it's, it's never the right time to come forward. It will always be difficult. There are always reasons not to. But there is no statute of limitations of someone's pain. So many people bury their secrets for years out of fear. Some forever. I encourage you not to stay silent forever. People have tried to deal with Tessa behind the scenes for years, and she hasn't changed. Denying things even happened shows you you haven't grown. So it was time for that ass to get exposed. I guarantee you she will treat everyone with respect now because people are watching that much closer. She will go down in history regardless, but it's up to her whether she wants it to be for her talent or if she wants it to be the next moolah. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like people are very happy with her. And uh, even... During Wrestling Observer, Meltzer spoke about the fact that she didn't get a developmental deal in WWE because basically she had attitude issues. And that's the reason why she wound up in Impact. A lot of people wanted to steer clear of her for all of those reasons that wound up coming out. And she made a lot of enemies. So this is, it's, it is, it is known. It is known. <laughs> you know, there's, there's like no denying it whatsoever. And, uh, Keith Lee, it's kind of funny, Keith Lee tweeted out, and he said, hey, men out here supporting each other. I see you, and I like what I see. Keep it up. We'll make cool things happen. I don't know if that has anything to do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not redirected. It's not like it's in the comments. It's just a random tweet, but it's just, you know. <laughs> Fuck you, Keith Lee. Man. And then Dio Madden tweeted to him and said, like, that one time you supported me by calling out my Pokemon team in front of everyone on Twitter, I just called Chief, no. and this ain't it, pal. So. I'm so done with him. <laughs> Fucking deal. So he's basically oh, implying shit. he's basically implying that uh women don't have each other's backs in this business. Now that the women are getting the spotlight, it's starting to look like the women don't have each other's backs. And we're gonna get into it more later. But we are hearing in the wrestling business like women contracts are becoming a lot more lucrative. It's cutthroat out here. You know what I mean? Like we're hearing Vince is paid, like everyone's gotten significant pay raises in WWE. So, you know, around the clock, women are just more relevant in wrestling. Therefore, yeah. when you hear a story like that, that's when you really got to worry because uh, it sounds like are women going to turn out in the future to be more cutthroat than guys in the locker room? That's a good question. Because it sounds to me like all the guys are having a good old time just making all this money now that there's all these different companies. And every time you hear something with the women, one is either stiff the other one in the ring when she wasn't supposed to. Someone doesn't like somebody. Look, we have a fucking Me Too movement against Tessa Blanchard now, you know? <laughs> like, what exactly is the is the end game here, right? That's what you got to worry about. What do you think? So, my whole problem with this story, and it's kind of funny, one of the things that Al, um... Sienna, Allison K, whatever you call her, said she was like, "There's no statute of limitations. There's no time." She was like, I just, "What was it like?" Since there's no right time. Yeah. Here's the thing: we're what 14 days into 2020, and TNA and Impact just had their pay per view hard to kill, which at the very conclusion, Tessa Blanchard shattered the fucking ceiling and became the first ever Impact World Champion to be a female. And you know what, dude? Sorry to cut you off, but I didn't realize when I was going over this story that that happened. I realized that she won the title, but I assumed it was the knockout title. I didn't realize no. that in the last couple of days, she's the 
Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight she Champion. She was beat Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan and hit that and, and won the world championship. And the thing about it is, what bothers me about this story is all this stuff started to come out two days before that pay per view. So my whole thing is, did it happen? We're hearing two. We're hearing from Tessa. No, we're hearing from all these other people. Yes, but it happened in 2017. So I don't know about you, but somebody drops an end bomb and spits on me. I'm not waiting all the 27, the rest of 2017, all of 2018, all of 2019, and then what a couple of days before a world title match in 2020 to say something. You're not making it three days, let alone three years, without me saying something. Yeah, like, and, Mo- and Moose has said that Moose on social media, he said, "I, I guess you and and Chelsea Green are absolute angels with a clear path." The timing of these tweets from you guys shows a lot about your characters. Yeah, it sounds like more of, "Hey, we're mad that Tessa's getting a because basically, I think Impact was Impact's plan already was for Tessa to win the championship because that girl has been on fire." She's come to Impact. She's had probably one of the best careers so far of any knockout, with the exception of Gail, Kim, and Angelina Love. But um, for all this to happen, and the perfect time just happened to be two days before she's about to challenge for a world championship, which no woman has done, all it comes off as, and Mark, you beat me to it, all it comes off as is, oh, because like, apparently that just tells me what was it not that important in 2017? Because I'm sorry, somebody says something offensive to me, I'm saying something that minute or I'm handling it that minute. And like Mark said, it sounds like the whole Jay Lethal thing. Right after Jay Lethal wins the world title, all of a sudden Taylor Hendricks comes out with the story. The timing does not benefit you whatsoever. All it looks like is you were salty that Tessa was getting all this success and all this attention and you just wanted to shit on her spotlight. And you strategically timed it, which is what has become a thing in culture that's overlooked too often where, where yeah. people may do bad things, but people wait until they're, they're up and then they're like, all right, now it's time to hit them with, with a bit of the past, which is shitty because the, the same culture that, that does that is the same culture that will tell people to try to rise up against and try to overcome your stuff and your issues and your past. But then they're the same motherfuckers who will grab somebody and like, attack them for something that they did two or three years ago and like i've said emphasized many times in the show before someone changes people change all the time in a year you're a completely different person from who you used to be in seven years all of your skin hair and everything that you had seven years ago has already regenerated you're literally from a physical standpoint a different human being so it's not fair when you do that and of course they're going to be the devil's advocates about it and say well a lot of people we heard it in the story a lot of people didn't want to come forward because they were afraid of being blackballed you know what that's very perfectly understandable. If you really care about your wrestling career and wrestling is your passion and uh, you're, you're planning on making a career here and you don't want to lose that, then uh, you probably don't want to shit on anybody who has the power that someone like a second generation wrestler or Blanchard could to blackball you. Exactly. But I'm going to also notate that that means that at that point in your life, you prioritized your career over standing by women at that Pretty point much. you made a conscious decision that standing by women was not as fucking important as your career currently was because it wasn't unconditionally stand by women it was stand by women from a safe distance exactly and it's kind of like spartan jesus said and just for the record yeah, it's not justify what she did and at this point i question if she even fucking did it because of the timing i don't but- i don't there's too many there's too many accounts of it 
this is, there's no way that this was a strategically orchestrated, coordinated attack on her. There's just right. too many accounts for it. But at the same time, I think that it's it's just foolish that once again, this is just like with the Me Too and all the other movements that we've had. There was a point in time where people kept these secrets because they wanted to they prioritized their careers over coming forward and standing by their fellow man, which is what they're preaching here. That's not what they yeah. did. That's not what they did at all. Like if if I found out, right? That there was a guy going around randomly around the country shooting co-hosts and I didn't tell you because I was more worried about being able to do the show tomorrow. I'm an asshole. And even and even after you're gone, if I could be like, you know, Destin was a good guy and I never mentioned this to you guys before, but there was a guy that told me that he was going to shoot every motherfucking co-hole starting with mine. But I just now I'm coming for, you know what I mean? It's like, what an asshole. You could have you could have said something, but you cared more about talk brunch at the time than Destin being killed by this fucking podcast stalker. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, I know it's completely a ridiculous story, but when you look at the situation here, Tessa Blanchard was a known bully. Everybody knew about it and kept it a secret because they didn't want to be blackballed from wrestling. But no, we're going to wait until two days before this girl is ready to destroy, to make, make history on top of history. Now we're going to be brave. She's probably mean. I'm going to say this much. Tessa Blanchard's probably mean. She looks fucking mean. She comes yeah. from a mean upbringing you know what i mean the dad's a mean dude <laughs> you know what i mean this d- big surprise i think she's probably a mean nasty bully for sure i don't think that she's racist and that's the reason why people are freaking out because she calls someone the n-word and everybody's like racism it's the same racism again everybody thinks oh he said it one time you must be racist listen even if you say it a hundred times in my book you still have to prove to me that you're racist yeah, you got to go way farther than and, saying And you know why I'm word. saying this? Because people as human beings, when they attack, the intention of the attack is to hurt the other person, whether right or wrong. We're not judging here. We don't judge as far as good or bad, right or wrong, light or dark. It's all circumstances. It's all shades of gray. When someone makes a decision to attack someone, whether they're on the offense or the defense, their intent in that moment is to hurt the other party as human as, as, as much as humanly possible. So if the person's short, they're going to call them the midget. If the person's bald, they're going to call them bald. If they're fat, they're going to call them fat. If they're black, they might drop the N-word. If they're, if they're sexual orientation, um, um, if they're homosexual, they might drop an F-word. You know what I mean? Automatically, people are going to go to whatever the hell the thing is that they're going to hurt you with the most. She's not going to slap a black person and call them a midget because that wouldn't hurt them. It would just be like, what? I'm not a midget, though. But if you call them the N-word, I'm not saying it's correct, but I'm just saying that doesn't make her racist. That makes her mean for whatever reason. <laughs> We've all been guilty of doing it. I look at what's his name? Kramer. Um, Michael Richards. You know what I mean? When that heckler got to him, you know what I'm talking about. Right? Everybody knows what oh, I'm yeah, talking no, about. No. I don't think that he actually hates black people. I think that in that moment, it happened to be a black person. So he wanted to say the most hateful shit that he could to them. Does that make him hateful? I think that if the person would have been, would have had their hand hanging down or would have been dressed in drag or something like that, he would have said something in regards to that. He would have said something, whether a tranny or would have called him like a, the Q word or whatever. He would have, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I think that when you're angry at somebody, you're going to say things that are directed to do harm to said person, which is the reason why psychologically it's foolish for you to take somebody's true self when they're the most emotional because it's impossible chemically impossible for someone to be upset and be telling the fucking truth 
That's not how racism works. That's how anger works. So she's angry. She's mean. But there's no way yeah, that she's some racist. Some of us get angry. That's not exactly. When people are angry, they're just shooting fire. That's the way that it works, guys. And it's almost like we're afraid in this society to admit that. Maybe she is racist. But I'm just saying that at the end of the day, that doesn't mean I would need more proof of it. To me, somebody saying some shit like that doesn't mean anything. If the person was old that she was fucking with, she would have been like, you old bitch. You know, that's just the way insults work. <laughs> you go for what is going to do the most damage in that moment. So you win. It's And, and like you said, Spartan, it, it doesn't justify it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. That she was raised in a time. That she said that, you know, you should refrain yourself at the very least publicly. I don't give a damn what you say in the privacy of your home or among your own private peers if you trust them. But I'm just saying that at the end of the day, sometimes people say things with the specific intent of hurting other people. And it baffles me that in an age that we live in, the age of social media, where 99% of the interactions that I see, 99% of the comment threads and responses that I see from people are designed with the intention of hurting others, can't comprehend when someone says something fucking homophobic or racist only for that reason. You can fucking tell when someone's trolling you. On a Star Wars thread, on a Jurassic Park thread, on a Game of Thrones thread, you could say, ha, I could tell that that person's only commenting to get a raise and they don't have, he probably doesn't even, but you can't tell when they're doing that using stuff that's going to really rile you up and make you make a fool of yourself and be an SJW. Listen, it's impossible. A lot at, at this point in our culture, when you hear people, especially people that are the age of, of, I would say 25 and below, when you hear them spewing racist shit, I honestly almost don't believe them. They weren't raised in an era for them to even begin to comment comprehend the level of racism that they're fakely working you know what i mean like there's no way it the, the, our culture is way too different now for them to have those values even if they want to to truly at the bottom of their heart objectively be able to hate somebody because of their nationality you have to give someone credit at this point for knowing that man people are just being motherfuckers to each other because that's what people do and if you can use racism, then you use racism. I'm not saying use racism. I'm saying that that's the mentality of an angry person. So, I'm um, again, the racism part of this. And then Moose came forward. Moose, a black guy. Black guy. <laughs> because people are aware that people are going to say whatever the fuck they can to you. And that's the reason why we live in a world where there's such a thing as apologies. There wouldn't be such a thing as needing to apologize if it wasn't for the fact that it's a known thing that people sometimes say things or do things that they don't mean. Why do apologies exist? How do we ever even come up with that unless it would be possible for that to happen? And then again, the two-year thing does bother me. Two years later, who the hell knows what happened her in two years? Maybe someone close to her died. You know what I mean? Maybe she exactly. had a fucking life or death experience. Maybe she her heart stopped in her sleep and she saw Jesus. And when she woke up, she, she changed her mind. And, and you know what I mean? So much happened. People go through things from a day-to-day basis where they have regrets. But we're going to fucking pretend that because she drops that word, that that automatically means something. Because that's the easy thing to do. Like Stasis said, not racist, but most likely a bitch. Most likely I, I mean, a bitch. at the end of the day, I've always felt Tessa Blaine is the kind of person where if she had to mow down Tully to get to what she fucking wanted, she'd fucking do it. It's called it's, being cutthroat in a cutthroat business. It's all like, like Spartan said. It's all he said. She said at this point. But I truly believe that it's she said. It's just yeah. a matter that she's not. I don't think that she's racist. I think she might just be a hothead, man. You yeah. know, it, it, it just sounds like a bunch of people who bring up an old story because they're mad that Tessa's getting all the success. Because that timing ain't no coincidence. Ain't no way in hell 
to 48 hours before the biggest match of that young lady's life, you try to pull that one out and just say, oh, I didn't have the courage at the time. You could have said shit right then. They really could have. But the moral of the story, Tessa, congratulations. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I've been watching that girl since she came on Impact. That girl earned that night. Because if she didn't earn, I mean, because for God's sake, if we're gonna if we're gonna go about the fact of the timing thing, why didn't they say this when she first showed up in Impact? Why didn't they say this when she showed up in Wow? Why didn't they say it when she won both the Wow and the Impact Knockouts Championship? When she headlined Slam a fucking anniversary, what no knockout has ever done? Because she wasn't big enough then. But after yeah. after Impact went off of the air. Uh, she apparently said something that the crowd feels was going out of kayfabe and addressing it. I'm going to run it here. Let you guys see it. I got I um I stumbled across the YouTube video when she got the pin. That arena came unfucking glued because nobody cared what happened in 2019, 2018, 2017, 16, 15, 14, whenever you want to go back. All that mattered was that. Is so it's interesting that she's the impact world champion. It changes yeah. it changes the whole landscape. Of their already unstable company, though, don't you think? Like, what happens now? Does Tessa Blanchard fight men? Does Sammy Callahan get a rematch? Can a woman challenge her? Can the knockout champion challenge her? Like, is it always going to be that women can challenge? You can't take it back now. It's not like a woman is like she loses the title. Why can't somebody else challenge for it? You know what I mean? It's just, it opens a very interesting door for the future. All the other races should aside and everything. It opens an interesting door for the future. Exactly. Now, one thing about this that I found interesting when she'd won that gauntlet match and got no more contenders, it's been a while since it happened, but Impact has slightly teased this possibility because I want to say it was um it, it wasn't like the Bound for Glory series. It was something almost like an eliminate. It, it, no, it was. Um, it was way back when uh, Matt Hardy won the world title and he gave it up because of that whole controversy in the main event and he did that tournament. Two of the competitors were knockouts. It was Awesome Kong and Gail Kim. So Impact, even though it was years ago, they've teased the element of this being a possibility. So when I started seeing these interest, these, this aspect of Tessa Blanchard starting to feud with Sammy Callahan, which wound up culminating to their match at Slammiversary, their match at uh, Undeniable, this match they had at Hard to Kill, 
they kind of they teased the opportunity, the possibility of this happening, and they let how the crowd react dictate where they went to it. And the crowd just seeing, especially when it being Tessa Blanchard, who at this point, you at this point, and you're the guy's getting a bar fight. She's the first person I'm looking for. They was the you could they could see how accepting the crowd was of it, so they just kept rolling with it and wound up culminating into this match at Hard to Kill. I mean, if but it, de- yeah, it definitely crowd, it opens an interesting door because, like, how that, far can they go with that now? I mean, if you're in the Impact crowd, I'm sure you're accepted of a lot of things. Touche. <laughs> well, now again, then they don't accept this new moves. They, you gotta give them a little credit. They don't accept this bullshit we got now. Yeah. And apparently she was pulled from an indie event. Um, yeah, some... I don't even know what the event was, but they just boop, pulled. Heavy Metal Wrestling. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. Heavy Metal Wrestling basically announced... They said, uh, Tessa Blanchard has been removed from our scheduled event on January 24th, 2020. We take these allegations levied against her very seriously. An updated card will be released shortly. A.K.A. someone who's close with Heavy Metal Wrestling is one of the people that came forward. <laughs> Pretty much. And she also avoid, uh, there was supposed to be like a media conference thing before Impact. And there was supposed to be one, uh, after the pay-per-view. And she, she wasn't in any of those. Yeah, probably just didn't feel like being bothered with all that shit before her match. And after. I was like, cause you know that's what 90% of the questions are gonna be. Oh well. Yeah. You know what the sad part is, Mark, at this point, I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it. Tessa Blanche is not 51 fucking years old. I don't know why PC still has the damn belt, but. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to the girl. She's uh, she's done her family extremely proud since she's been an impact. It's one, it's one of those moments where I, I, I you know, not everybody's always for the intergender wrestling. Me personally, I'm kind of as long as I'm entertained, I don't care. But if there was ever going to be anybody to do it and it not be a Gail Kim, I think Tesla was definitely deserving of it. Cause she's been like she's she has the she's the kind of person where if it's a body in her way she'll run through it man woman child or llama she doesn't give a shit so <laughs> it was cool to see that she got to have that night she got to have that moment Telly's probably telling I guarantee Telly Branch was probably the happiest person in the freaking building to see that happen so definitely girl did good at the end of the day no matter what happens for the rest of her career Tessa did good. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to see Sammy Callahan uh, now. Not world champion. Now compete for the knockout championship because, you know, you got <laughs> Just like we were saying at the beginning of the show about you got to do it both ways now. Now, there, there is there any logical reason why we can't? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? The guys, come on, guys, it's an open door for you. You can, you can fuck up impact the way they fucked up the Olympics. You can, you can just fucking go for women's titles now. <laughs> you stupid. Wait, wait, wait. So that does that mean we're going to get Sam Morello Callahan? Yeah. We, oh, he doesn't even have to change his name. He could be regular Sammy Callahan. That's why they call Just me Sammy, baby. Like I said, that's why they call me Sammy, baby. No, 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 no. <laughs> I should have seen that coming a mile away, but I didn't. I don't know how. I didn't even see it coming. Until I don't before. know. Oh God, no! That is fucked up. <laughs> o v e ovaries versus everything. There you go. Oh man! <laughs> you see what you did, <laughs> Shane? What's up, man? I just saw you reload back. I didn't. I sorry before I was mid sentence. 
Why not? Oh no, you shot it in my fucking. Oh, did I? Okay. Yeah. You see how see how much shit I'm doing? Oh God Almighty. Whew. Okay. Well, good luck to Tessa Blanchard and all the women and men and all in the middle, the Zach Morris's, the AC Slaters, you know, the Zach Kapowski's, the Kelly Morris's, whatever the fuck they decide they're gonna do from now on. <laughs> good luck to you. Impact Wrestling, the company that ain't going nowhere. <laughs> nope. Not at all, unless uh, their governor happens to fuck it up and then they have to like move to a different company. They got their own channel. They do what they want. <laughs> so, speaking of companies doing what they want, Marty Skrull, yo. Marty freaking Skrull. Have you heard about him? Uh, I mean, hey, he's in the NWA power, so he's doing something right. But, he- uh,. No, Marty Skrull. And let's get an image of him up on the screen. I think that he is image worthy right now. Yeah, very much. The should have been ROH world champion forever a day ago. Very image worthy. So they offered him a lucrative deal that's being reported as getting WWE top guy levels of money. Melser has also reported that uh, the deal allows him to wrestle in the NWA, obviously, and New Japan. And uh, there's probably a lot of other stuff that we don't know, but it's apparently a really, really sweet deal. Now, what I can tell you this deal includes, which is very lucrative, is that uh, he is the new lead booker of all of Ring of Honor. Yeah, he is the Gato of Ring of Honor. (laughs) He's the lead, takes on all lead booking duties for the company, and Hunter Delirious Johnston... It's still there in some creative capacity, but he is no longer the lead booker. So Marty Skrull's contract is so lucrative that he can work in other places, and he's the lead booker. I haven't seen somebody given that level of power in decades. Right? Like, I don't think in my lifetime that's happened. That is, to me, the most desperate shit I've ever seen. That goes to show the Ring of Honor is just clinging to whatever they can. I hate to say it because it's been such a good company. But when... You're taking the last elite guy that you had. You literally offered him the whole company, basically. And of course he signed. You told him he's, exactly. he's the lead fucking booker. At this point, they couldn't are they couldn't offer any less because, let's be real, sorry to say, ROH, there's not that much really that your company has going for you to where somebody's going to want to stay. <laughs> of course you could offer less. You could offer everything but being the lead person who dictates what happens with your entire company. How about everything but that? You don't think that's a little bit lucrative of a deal? Like that's, that's a, that's a you're making WWE levels of money. You're allowed to wrestle in other companies that you want to wrestle for, and you're the lead of creative. That sounds <laughs> that sounds like literally everything that people from the '90s complained about that was wrong with WCW, all bundled into one situation. Everything <laughs> that we've ever heard from past history has fallen apart when the lead creative person is also the talent. It happened in Nitro. It happened in Impact. It's happened every fucking where that that's been possible. Ghetto in New Japan is probably the only exception. He's coming close because he's in the Bullet Club now. Yeah. You know, I didn't and mind when he was when he was a lot farther than other people have been. I didn't mind when he was Okada's hype man. And after Okada won, he used to come out and do his whole thing. Nanden! And start screaming to the crowd and getting them hyped about how great Okada was. But no. Do you think Ghetto should be in the fucking Bullet Club? Yeah, that's a bit much. So Marty Skrull is now the lead booker. That is incredible. The only good thing that I can see coming from it is we're going to get what we should have got when it gave us Matt Shitty fucking Taven as Marty Skrull's world champion. 
Yeah. Because for Christ's sakes, at this point, it seems like that's the only way the car is actually going to get on him in ROH. Because if you pass, because at that point, if I'm in a company and you pass me up for Matt Taven, I don't trust you anymore. <laughs> they yeah. can't be trusted at this point. And uh, there seems to be some sort of crossover going on here because there was a Ring of Honor event called Center Stage. And uh, Nick Aldis did a run in, which I'm about to show you guys here and link you if you're watching on the run. So there you go. There's some sort of, of correlation. I'm obviously, you know, and, um, and this is probably the best hope of Ring of Honor. You know, the fact that they can have someone from the NWA incorporated yeah. into their brand and their know. world champion at that. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, he was saying that, that, you know, Skrull's friends with the Young Bucks and he wants to have a working relationship between AEW and Ring of Honor and that that's his goal and he's going to attempt to do that and that he doesn't know if it's going to happen but those guys are cer- will certainly listen and he thinks that that's a tough one because he doesn't know what Ring of Honor has for AEW unlike New Japan where you can see the AEW would get from that relationship. So, if you're going to look on the bright side, a lot of people are thinking, well, that's the end of ever having Marty Skrull in the elite and in AEW. But if you look at the other thing, maybe this is a divide and conquer situation. Marty Skrull will be the head booker. He can make decisions. Those decisions can influence being able to incorporate guys from AEW into Ring of Honor. So yeah, it's definitely not bad. You know, do you think it's going to happen? Do you think it's even possible at this point? Do you, do you think that this is like a permanent division? Do you think Ring of Honor is too far gone? Uh, it's It sucks to say, but I really <laughs> compared to... Like we said, what New Japan would have to offer, the different crosses you could have there. It's like, what would ROH even have to offer? I mean, the closest thing they could do is, hey, you guys can do a tag tournament and we'll let you use the Briscoes. But at that point, it's just like, what happens after that? Like, like yeah, the company might, there might really not be much hope for ROH. At this point, ROH might, I think they're just reaching for strings and hoping something sticks. I mean, like they, they, they literally said, hey, if you stay with our company, we'll let you book shit however you see fit. At that point, I think you're just reaching at this point and hoping something sticks or they don't drown. Yeah, you could be right, dude. I because, mean, I, I mean, I've never, at least since I've been wrestling, I, I at least since I've been like a wrestling fan, I've never seen this before. Because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't watching during like the Hogan era. I did not really watch much WCW, so I didn't experience that. I'm seeing this and I'm like, what? He just so he just has he he's the head booker. Nobody gets to tell him knows what you're telling me. Like, I mean, I would like to think that hopefully he's not an ash about it. You know, yeah. But we don't even know. You know what I mean? Like he very and at well this could point, be. And it's like at this point now, ROH is going to have to deal with it if that winds up being the case because they were so desperate to keep him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, no, I don't think that it'll. I don't. We ha- we have to find out more details. I feel like this could be debunked at some point. Maybe we'll hear that it's not as crazy as we think. At least that's what I would like to think. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that that's something that would be. I don't know. Ring of Honor is in an interesting place right now, and it's a company that when you look at it, if it wasn't for them, a lot of this wouldn't even be happening, man. WWE, yeah, NXT, AEW, most of the shit 
that they're, they've exposed so much talent to the world that it's sad to see them in this situation, man. You know, as much as people joking, like, ah, Ring Ron's not doing anything, man. You know what, man? Not for nothing, but there was a point where there was nothing out there but WWE and their product was really stale and horrible and almost unwatchable. And if it had not been for that Ring of Honor company, there would have never been a CM Punk or a Samoa Joe. You know what oh, I mean? For sure. You know, AJ Styles used to be in this fucking company. You know what I mean? All of these, this talent that went through there, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, they basically honed their craft there. Same thing with Bobby Fish. A lot of these guys got the exposure that has created the entire landscape of wrestling all Shoot, over. The Viking Raiders, another one. You know, a lot of the talent, SEMA, you know, even, even SEMA from Japan, you know, all of these J- Japanese guys, the style of Japanese wrestling itself. A lot of it got exposure thanks to Ring of Honor being there. They opened the door literally and allowed this new structure to come through. The Bucks themselves and all of the old lead guys would not be there if it was not for Ring of Honor. Cody Rhodes would have not had a place to go to continue to develop himself if it wasn't for Ring of Honor. And we can't say New Japan because the only fucking reason that door was even open to a lot of the guys from Ring of Honor was because of Ring of Honor. They're the ones who made that partnership. And a lot of these guys that had nowhere to go when WWE wasn't using them properly found their way to Ring of Honor and through there found their way to New Japan and through there found their way to each other and formed these little alliances that made it possible to have an NWA power, that made it possible to have an AEW Dynamite. And people are forgetting that. So I get it. This is the nature of the beast. I always said that one company was going to fall. And I always said that, unfortunately, and I said this years ago, you could go back to our old episodes. I said that Ring of Honor was in that same shitty number three position that ECW was in, where it felt like you have all this great talent here and and they're going to lose credit for being the ones responsible for it. So it sucks, though, but I just want people to remember that most of the stuff that they're seeing across all companies, WWE included, WWE probably especially, is because of Ring of Honor. There would have been no Sami Zayn. There would have been no Kevin Owens. There would have been no Samoa Joe there right now, which pretty much screws up their stuff. There would have been no Seth Rollins. You know what, dude? Everyone who's in like their main event scene wouldn't even exist <laughs> right now. If now you say they bro, their main event scene is ROH guys. Because yeah, sure, Cesaro and them came from CZW. Nobody's getting recognized from CZW. A lot of this shit was thanks to Ring of Honor. Keith Lee was exposed from Ring of Honor. Donovan Dijak exposed from Ring of Honor. You know what I'm saying? Damian like, Priest, ROH. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, all of these guys, you know, Leo Rush, everyone that they got, Ring of Honor is the ones that are discovering and exposing this talent to a broader audience. And it's just sad to me that that's the company that's gotten dumped on and no one's lending them a fucking hand. So at the end of the day, good for them at least that they have Marty Skrull. And hopefully for them, Marty Skrull is able to incorporate some sort of an AEW Ring of Honor alliance. Not for the sake of AEW being better. Fuck them. They're already good. They're beating fucking NXT in the ratings. What more can you ask? You're beating Vince. How about so that they could help Ring of Honor a little? Give some of that love back. Doesn't it make sense? Makes perfect sense. You know, like, I don't want to hear anymore. Oh, hopefully they'll beat us so we can have Ring of Honor guys in AEW. No, how about hopefully we help fucking Ring of Honor a little bit? Gabe Zapowski, let's not forget this, folks. Gabe, Gabe Zapowski is the, is the, is the original lead of Ring of Honor. That was his company, his baby. He, he brainchild that. And eventually he left and he made Evolve. What's Evolve doing right now? Basically working for WWE. Barely at that. <laughs> you know, that's the reason why Evolve improved over time. Because, you know, you have a guy like Gabe Zapowski, a great mind, an originator of Ring of Honor. They're basically going to another Ring of Honor. That's why, look at how heavily inspired a lot of the nxt stuff is to, to evolve in ring of honor yeah the smaller arenas the lack of pyro all just got all different kinds of things like that 
they're doing what they always do as a big company. They're sucking the blood out of the smaller company. And then what's crazy about it is now you have some smaller companies also doing it, you know? And obviously, this is what happens in the business. But you would think they would give a hand to a company that has done so much more for them. Yeah, um, exactly. Ring of Honor, Spartan Jesus could have been in yeah. involved position if Zapowski had stayed. It's been so many years. I know we talked about it. I don't even remember what made Zapowski leave. If there was a fallout or I know something happened, though, and he wound up leaving that company. It was something like a fallout, at least in my note, at least in my memory. Yeah. You know, so now you got companies that are and and the other thing is you got to treat your guys right man you really got to treat your guys right that's that's something that's not happening very often yeah unfortunately not you gotta make your guys want to stay around you know just things to make them feel like they fucking matter like human beings and that they're not just side attractions is all that it takes look what happened the other day with um with kazarian did you hear about that situation his his cat died uh, i did not yeah kazarian so kazarian's cat died and uh basically they sent him like flowers or something you know i don't even know how they found out maybe they heard it from the grapevine somebody else in the in the locker room but they just basically sent him flowers and they were just like hey you know your aw family is really sorry to hear about your loss and you know we just wanted you guys to know that uh we just wanted you to know that we're here for you and it's a small thing you know what i mean but that that i've never heard of anything like that with wwe you know what i mean Exactly. It's just always like, uh, my cat died. Oh, I need a favor, pal. Like, what the fuck? You know, and he in turn <laughs> said to them, thank you, you know? He in turn to them just basically said thank you. Yeah, it's he a said, small gesture, but it shows like, hey, we're here to support you. He said, received a very thoughtful and nice gift from AEW Wrestling regarding losing our precious cat, Sam Jackson. It's great to work with a company that legitimately cares about his wrestlers. Thank you so much. Hashtag I'm with AEW. You know? Just do stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's not hard if you give enough of a fuck. And that's the reason why I keep hearing every single week, oh, you know, AEW is, is recruiting this person. They're going to be recruiting that person. Don't get too big. You're sort of personal level with all of your talent. WWE is doing that factory stuff. You know what I mean? That assembly line shit. They don't know. They wouldn't know if you died in WWE, let alone your cat. I'm just saying. All that time we wonder when, J- when they when they were going to release JTG, JTG could have died in that time. Nobody unknown. Yeah. And there definitely would have been no picking up on the phone. He might still be employed now, but be dead. Yeah, pretty much. All right, well, let's get into some other news going on around the world here. What do we got? Let's have a look here. Matt freaking Hardy. Remember him? Yeah. (laughs) That guy that got pinned really fast, which was bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, we're hearing that for a while there, he wanted to... uh, he wanted to do some bro- the, the broken videos that he's been releasing on his channel. We're hearing that he wanted uh those videos to be uh used in WWE, and uh obviously they turned the poor guy down. Yeah, he pretty much wanted to bring broken Matt Hardy back, but that's a good idea. So it's just like nah, nah. That sucks, right? Like you know why? Why? And the videos were already completed and produced. Like it's just stupid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it it just sounds like another case of hey, we didn't come out, we didn't come up with it ourselves. So why would we put it on? Be so that uh, because you don't have anything better. But they have Brock, and you spent money on him because <laughs> you know, and you it's it's like there's so many reasons. What else are you gonna put there? Mojo, you know, Jose, um, no way, Jose. What else are they gonna put there that's so fucking important? Exactly. They can, they, they can put Brock in his non-existent world championships. Yeah, and it's just sad that they don't really even bother to uh, to acknowledge what they had there when it comes to Matt. 
you know, and they might be punishing him. Like we've heard from other other sources that they might just be punishing him because of Jeff. Which is stupid. <laughs> because when Jeff comes back, he's going to throw a fucking championship on like you do the other 12 times. Yeah, but they don't care at all. That's their problem now. They're probably never going to get him back again. They don't know? deserve him back. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe he needed this, though. Maybe the wrestlers are smarter than we're giving them credit for. You know, maybe a lot of them pull like a Maria. I'm Maria Canales, and they're like, you know what? I'm just going to come here and get my severance pay. I'm just going to come <laughs> here. I'm going to this. I'm going to go on a WWE vacation. You know, I'm going to come here, job out for a few months. You know, and uh, then I'm going to go and I'm going to sit on a money pile. You know, kick my feet up, have a little insurance, watch some Harley Quinn. Yeah, all of that kind of shit. You know, whatever it takes. But yeah, when it comes to somebody as creative as that guy, man, you think that they would have done more. In regards to his stuff, but no, they don't care. But they accept us. But they expect us to. Yeah, we're hearing all kinds of stuff in regards to where he's going to go next. Like, uh, Spartan Jesus just said, uh, Matt Hardy to Ring of Honor. You know what? They could use Matt Hardy in Ring of Honor more than any of the other places. I think if there was ever a place that could have used a Matt Hardy, it would have been Ring of Honor. Oh, dude, it, like uh, they would benefit so much to have this whole broken universe there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they, he's proven how much of the broken Matt Hardy stuff gets over in Ring of Honor. So yeah, it's not I, like it wouldn't be a thousand times more excited to show up for him to show up in ROH again. Yeah, and the final deletion stuff in WWE was really underwhelming. Like when they did it, they was just like missing yeah. something. They, you could tell. They tried to replicate it, but try to put their own spin on it instead of just doing what Impact did and letting Matt do it. And his production without them is better. It's funny to have you have the whole WWE production thing. And whenever this guy puts out his own videos by himself, this stuff is better. It's genuinely yeah. entertaining. It's genuinely. And it's mainly because he doesn't micromanage every little bit of it. He kind of lets he, he, he lets it kind of he lets it flow naturally. Yeah, it's not like he, he's not sitting there with the finished product and then right before it's supposed to go on. Oh, rewrite it. Do it one more time. Rutherford. No, it's just you let it happen. Everything that happens naturally go through. It was just like it's like one of my favorite parts of um the original final deletion. <laughs> and, you know, the part with um when he came around the came around the ring with with uh, I think what was that, a hoe he had. And Jeff had the fireworks, and he goes, "Oh shit!" Jeff cops up, "You damn right, oh shit!" Little stuff like that, just like it was yeah. fun because it was just his thing. I it like wasn't how, overproduced and micromanaged; like it was just fun to do. Like I like seeing somebody as crazy as Jeff overwhelmed, going, "What is wrong with you, man?" Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah. about that, the buildup, and everything was just so fun, and it was fun because it was just them. Impact literally just said, "Okay, just tell us when to air it." That's that's all. That's the only thing that there was like, okay, that's the only part Impact has something to do with. Everything else was Matt. Everything else was Matt, Jeff, Rebby, freaking Senior Benjamin, even the kid. Which at that point, it's just funny how desensitized that fucking kid has to be to this shit. I can just imagine him with his two brothers, like, "Oh, don't worry, it's normal." So get the, boat, the boat's real. Don't worry about it. You're good. So get this: the biggest rumor going around. It's starting to seem like it's very possible is that Matt Hardy is going to turn out to be the leader of the Dark Order and he's going to reveal himself and all of these guys have been his minions all along. And if you listen carefully to their promos, 
uh, every now and then, whoever the hell that lead guy is, which I can't say I listen to their promos. I literally don't even look at the screen anymore when that shit comes out. But when apparently one of them always goes wonderful, which has been sort of an Easter egg to let people who are paying enough attention realize that this has been a masterminded situation by the emperor. I mean, Matt Hardy all along, you know, these fucking rewrites get me confused. <laughs> I just caught that. Too many of these fucking rewrites. This motherfucker said the emperor. I mean, Matt Hardy. Oh, <laughs> it's probably likely. I'm gonna say I don't want to no get everybody excited, is. but but I think that it is. I feel like, and the funny thing is, that would help the Dark Order. That would give people a reason to want to see them to find out that just Matt Hardy is the reason. And watch the second Matt Hardy joins up with him, watch it all suddenly become better. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see freaking. Kenny Omega versus the leader of the Dark Order, and just like we saw in the fucking footage, Senior Benjamin comes up behind him and tases him, which is like his fucking signature move at this point. Don't tase me, man. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts when he tased fucking Willow and Matt got the pin and Matt pulled the thing off and it was Senior Benjamin. So apparently there was a whatever that Dark Order video was that they played during AEW Dynamite, they also released an extended version, which there's supposed to be a little bit more of a hint here. Um, leading into the Matt Hardy thing, which I'm going to link you guys. And I'm going to play it here. We're seeing it for the first time as well. Let's see what the hell's going on. It is done, exalted one. <laughs> Wonderful. And our new recruits? They are finally one with the Dark Order. The elite has fallen and we have sowed doubt into their ranks. Soon, they will see the true reach of the Dark Order. Very good. Thank you. Uno. Yes? Aren't you forgetting something? Ah, yes. The Jacksons have left Twitter. They No! There is no room for mercy in the Dark Order. It is a disgrace. The weak must become the strong or be the No, they didn't hear the fucking punches. I understand. There is no room for weakness in the Dark Order. It will be taken care of. They aired the fucking punches. They aired the botch punches. <laughs> I think it would work if it turns out to be Matt, man. That would be great, right? Yeah, I, li- I do like how they work the botch. I wonder if we're going to have to see one of them get sacrificed now. You know what I like about it, though? They own that shit. They fucked up and they said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just keep rolling with it. He botched the hell out of them punches. We about to run it in the damn promo. Fuck it. Yeah. So I mean, all motherfuckers out there have sex station don't be that confident, Lars. But no. Wow. So he oh. released an, a new episode of Free the Delete, and uh, I don't know what's on it to be honest with you, but I just have it here because I figure it came out after that Dark Order shit. Maybe there's gonna be more clues. Maybe we have to just keep following the clues in this story. You know. Ah, ah, what was that? Nick, what the hell was that? 
back there! How can you be so ready? <laughs> Who gave the command to climb Narek? How is that even possible? Oh my The blasphemous interaction you had with Kagan who poisoned you made you weak. The command came from the Abomination. You probably know her from her aliases, Absence, or Abigail. Abigail? Kinnigan has always had dominion over Abomination. He orchestrated this all. Zenith is now terminally infected by both Kinnigan and Abomination, and will cease to exist past 32 years. How do I expel them? How do I save Zenith? You cannot. Your vessel is now in Zenith is will perish. Very Zenith will cry. Let him die a hero. Arcade. It looks like Mia's work pissed off around a bunch of ravenous children. I don't feel like you, King Maxwell. I'm not in a very good mood right now. I don't even think an ice cream social would cheer me up. Why? Because I'm lost. What was special is being taken away from me, King Maxwell. As a matter of fact, I am going into the cinema to aspire film. I want to be alone. Aww. Abandon his children. I love how like that cow just with the bit that kid is like. Fucking nuts. Okay? I just want to be by myself, Queen Rita. Hold on, hold on. I don't know what like, what's up but I'm like, you're over here and Google face from Axel, using it on me, like you're supposed to be Mr. Man, they cannot die. I, 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 I
Your champion's like 90 pounds soaking wet with two bricks in each pocket. So not really not really criticism as much as like why? An observation more than criticism. Yeah, it's more like yeah, I've seen this with my own twin eyes. Like this bitch is smaller than everybody else by at least 100 pounds. Like, <laughs> and if you take Riho out of the equation... It's still a shitty division. It's not like, yeah. well, if it wasn't for this 90-pound girl, all these other talented women would be there. And I get it. Me saying it's a shitty division is probably the ignorant criticism that he would label. But we've also been uh productive in our criticism. The reality of the situation, though, is that they positioned themselves in a war with NXT. Where they're going to be compared. They're competing with NXT. And their women are not up to NXT standards. Their no. women aren't even close. Their women are very much developmental in AEW. And not developmental even like NXT where they still have good matches with even their low tier. Like their women matches are bad. I can't give it to them. And they're not in a point where they should be televised. And I get that it's the whole give, you know, they want to do the equal thing the way everybody else is doing right now. But they're in the least position to do that. Exactly. The NXT women's division is fire. And then when you look at that and in, 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 in contrast, when you look at the AEW division, it's very poorly done. It's not yeah. a good division. And uh most of the matches are underwhelming at best. They don't have any great matches. I can't think of any great women's matches in AEW. Like some are like, OK, but that's. There hasn't been really any great ones at all. I mean, and the thing about it is you can't always say, like, oh, it's just just people being ignorant and all this stuff. It's like, no, when you have fucking Riho and there are eight million ways to die, she's one of them. Against fucking Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley and fucking Candice LeRae. You are losing this battle every time. It's the one aspect where NXT is wiping the floor with them every single time. Yeah. And uh, I get it. Kenny Omega is basically the one helming that division. He's the one trying to put it together. But at the end of the day, whether he's doing that or not, it's, it's not in condition right now to be displayed, unfortunately. Like, who are who the top? If you were to name the top four women, who would it be? Can I name Britt Baker like four times? If that's even <laughs> in the four, there's a problem. Yeah, like, <laughs> and when they say top four, not the four that are always on TV, I mean, literally the best four. Whereas NXT women's division, you give me, and first of all, no, B, B Priestley, that is not somebody I would brag about when it comes to somebody in my women's division. I keep that bitch a secret. I mean, Chris Statlander has more notoriety than most of the people that they have, and it's because she's from space. <laughs> but then we look at like let's say name the top four in freaking NXT women's division. I'll do it in three seconds. Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, me again. Boom. I didn't have to think half that time. But it's just see the bad part about it is we'll start just even with B Priestley. I mean, until that evolved 10th anniversary show, I hadn't fucking heard of her. And then she's kind of damaged her namesake with the fact that she can cuss Brit almost right away. So it's like her namesake is not really what it used to be. There's more negativity behind that name than anything else now. And it's beyond just the fact that she's in like a women's division that's not that good. Yeah, and I get it. Kenny Omega, great guy. He's going to be protective over his division. I don't think that people 
I don't think it's ignorant, though, even for the people that are just saying the women's division sucks. You need to hear that because they're not saying that about any other women's division. Yeah. Women are making strides everywhere but AEW. Especially considering that we're saying this because we're comparing it to the division that's on the other channel on Wednesday night. And on top of it, you know what, man? Riho does fuck that division up. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's the smallest she's by a really long shot, small. but she's being everybody. She's really small, and she's not even small yet convincingly tough, like an Alexa Bliss is, where I'm small, but my offense, my work rate, and my attitude reflect that of a big person to the point where your suspension of disbelief allows you to believe that this person is tough enough. No pun intended, but tough enough not to take anybody's shit. Riho comes out there smiling with her tone deaf ass music, <laughs> clapping around. That music is horrendous, dude. <laughs> dude, how come no one ever talks about how bad I that fucking song is? Like you described as tone deaf. Yo, it sounds like someone who can't hear made that fucking song. <laughs> that doesn't sound like it's in tune. Oh god, that sounds like when you need to tune your fucking instrument. <laughs> Somebody said, fuck it, record the audio, let's go. I wish I had her music here. This wasn't planned, though. I'm looking around for it. But if you listen to her fucking song, man, and I'm not just going to judge about it, but I'm just saying you have this girl coming out in in a fairy outfit, basically, that's like 90 pounds wet. With tone deaf music. Sounds like Link's Ocarina broke when he called this fairy. Smiling like the fucking Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland. Like. And her offense isn't really that good. It doesn't, be, I don't believe, she doesn't make me believe that she's doing things that make her capable of that. So when you're the head of your division, and she's not the only problem, but when the head of your division isn't even slightly convincing, what is there? Meanwhile, NXT, the head of their division, is a chick from Australia whose song literally starts with the words, this is my brutality. The bitch is powerbombing people off the second rope through chairs, going through war games matches. Rhea Ripley looks like if you put her up against some of the men, she kicked her ass. Like, that bitch is scary. All right. Listen to how ugly this song is, though. It doesn't, like, I, I think I found it. Give me, bear me, bear me a minute here, guys. I, I, I know I'm sticking, sticking with the song a lot, but I just, whenever I hear it, I cringe. So there's a few times I've legit just muted the screen. You know what's sad part? Of this might be, I think this is the first time I'm actually going to have actually listened to it, because now that I think about it, subconsciously, everything just goes mute right when this happens. Did somebody whack their head off the soundboard when the beat dropped? <laughs> it just sounds, it sounds like <laughs> shit. It, it's, it, the, sounds, it sounds like if a middle school was like, hey kids, Saturday no. night we're going to have a rave. Spartan Jesus Dance Dance Revolution had better songs than this by far. Like this would be the <laughs> shittiest song of the whole thing. It's just so poorly done. Listen, the whole package, even if she was a convincing wrestler, which she's not, the whole package that they gave her. 
you, your top guy can't look or act like that. And she's doing it at a time when everybody else, all the other Japanese women are becoming the most badass. Like Asuka and Kairi Sane are badass. Io Shirai is out there being badass. Everyone's being badass. Mia Yim is being badass. You know what I mean? And then here we have... <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Listen to that last part for me, man. Like, what, what happened there? It sounded like someone who missed the high note. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is? Just to solidify this comparison... Just, 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 just so we can really let this shit sink in. Hey, give me a second. I'm going to send it to you. Just a, just a sec. We, uh, now let's jump over to the other side of the pond. Whereas we have a, where's that AEW with their freaking kid rave teen bop shit? And I just sent it to you, Rick. You tell me what's on the other side of the pond, and then you tell me which one you're more fucking excited for. Oh, God. because I'm pretty sure I know. I have to load up Facebook to get there, but something tells me you're sending me Eo Shirai's probably. Not even her. No, you're no. You doing your one better. All right, you got to give me a minute. Facebook's slow oh, yeah. as shit. It's it's dreadful. Yeah, it, it's fucking terrible. It, it, it's almost as dreadful as AEW's women's division. That's, but, why, uh, that's why I reside mainly in freaking... Oh, right, right. You you mentioned her. There you go. Now tell that? me, when you go from... And then go to this. Tell me which one you're more excited about. I like the... Music sounds like she is, like small, and like it was too small to hit that high note it needed for that part. <laughs> it broke at the very end. Yeah, it's like, it's freaking nuts. And, and then it's like yin and yang, because we switch over to the black and red, the black and yellow, and we get this madness. Yeah, just bear with me here. What do we got? The Aria Ripley's, you know what? For her, it's really hard, though. Like, that's a really hard metal song. Like, they're not playing exactly. around with that song at like, all. Like, you have ditzy, freaking bubbly, extra happy Riho. And then next thing this you know, is first... my brutality! I'm ready to punch everybody with the this next to the This is mine! This is mine! This is mine! That is dope. Exactly, like it's like, and it reassells the shit out of her entrance. Like literally, you would know this is a woman. It's got to be smart. It makes you want to fight, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> like no matter where you are, with real music, real music hits. You look to the next person, like I wish you fucking would. Like, <laughs> it makes me want to fight too- the person who did Rio's music. <laughs> Like, it's too completely, like, I'm sorry, Kenny, no offense, dude, but when you go from to this is my brutality. You know what the worst part is about her? It's it, her music lyrics sound like somebody walked into the truck and said, give her some Japanese sound and shit. <laughs> I love as far as Jesus said. <laughs> It is bad. 
Nintendo's music sounds like a shit, like 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 if a if an anime came out with a video game and they couldn't get the license to the regular music. It sounds like it was made by someone who knows nothing about Japanese people. Oh my god! <laughs> no, this is this isn't even Dance Dance Revolution. It's the second dance. person who said that. No, Dance Dance Revolution had way better music. You know, than uh, <laughs> th- than this shit. <laughs> you know, and then you come out here in a fucking fairy outfit. This is the <laughs> this is just the end gauge came out with a dance dance revolution. Come out there looking like Sarah Jessica Parker before they were able to critique <laughs> before before they were able to critique fashion on Twitter. <laughs> Remember that back before Twitter, that bitch there used to wear fairy outfits. Used to, come on the, Jessica Parker. used to come on the middle of fucking the Middle East side talking about da, 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 with a fairy fucking outfit. Oh, I can't believe Oh, shit. Oh. Like, wait a minute. Are you wearing a jeans jacket with a low cut top and a fucking fairy skirt? Is that what that is? Like, wait a minute. Who the fuck dressed you, your kid? Bitch, how dare you? Why is the bottom half of you all fucking fairies and the top half of you is like all casual? Just <laughs> casual fairy Friday. Writing it down. What the fuck are you doing? Going to Webster Hall in Neverland? <laughs> oh. There used to be outfits in that show that just made it look like they just wanted to see what they could get away with. It was like, it's not bad enough that she's just middle aged. You know, we want her to be middle-aged and a fairy. Oh, God. All I'm saying is we have two so far. Ten-year-old Raven and casual fairy Friday. So, Yeah, they should also do a remake of Sex and the City with a, with a black male that identifies as a female. And then the sad part about it is the term Mrs. Big would take a whole different meaning. Yeah, right? Now you know why the you black, call me Mrs. Black Big. No asteroids in here. <laughs> <laughs> I got the audience. Yeah. You know, there you go. First one in 2020. Yeah. Come on, remake it. You want to remake everything, right, motherfucker? They should all be trans. It'll be like Tu Wong Fu crosses over with Sex in the City. <laughs> Thanks for everything, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh. <sighs> are there any women that are able to help the AW women's division? Um. Just need are, to make them good. Like at, at that point, at this that's point, that that's a great question though. But at this point, free agents is what he's talking about. I think everyone's been sort of scooped up. Like who who would be left? It's not like Ring of Honor ever had the strongest women of honor, right? And Angelina Love ain't going nowhere no time soon. So ODB's back at Impact, so that's out. Like yeah, there's this not there. There's really not much of an Indies women division they could get unless they want a taste of the tuna. I don't know where else they could really go. Like. They needed to uh they needed to pick this up sooner than they did, unfortunately. And yeah. uh, it's not really their fault. But most of the indie girls, like if you again, if you've been a long time listener of the show, like for the past six years, a lot of the girls we used to talk about when we used to attend indie shows, like just deep indie shows, are in NXT. Including my favorite, who I said years ago, if you were here, that's that I said years before she was even a bleep on the radar, Candice LeRae. I was like, that girl is incredible. She's going to do incredible things. And now she's there. There was a point where there were indie women everywhere. It's just that there isn't right now. And now there's this new thing in WWE where like, or in wrestling in general, it seems like whenever you get a Japanese woman, everybody automatically assumes that that means she's the best. 
Oh, we got the Japanese chick. showed up, and it was instantly all about Asuka. But she actually is that good. Yeah. But but now it just seems like anytime you're uh, a Japanese woman, automatically people are like, oh, you must be good. It's almost like the old stereotype about everyone knowing Kung Fu if they're Asian, where it's like, now if you see a Japanese woman in the ring, she must be really good in the ring. No questions asked. Just like wouldn't that, be great? wouldn't that be great to see a big world title match or something? No, big women's title match in AEW. If fucking Rio's tail of the tail of the tape, she's Asian. Yeah, man. Taste the tuna. Wait, wait. Wrong button. What the but, fuck? Wrong button. Here we go. Forgot I had the other one. I don't know why I have Missy Elliott next to Priscilla Kelly. Strange board. That, 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 see, see, that, that's what Lauren listened to. We tried to cut a promo. Actually, no, no, no. Now you think about it. Missy's more coherent. Never mind. My mistake. I tried to. That's what I get for trying to hit the board and drink coffee at the same time. <laughs> you know, one thing was going to win, and it was the coffee. Oh my god! Yeah, start. Yes, Martin Jesus right. She had the great height, no stereotype BS, and she backed it up. And she also kicked the shit out of people. And I'll never you, forget that ass woman she gave uh, Diamante. Mm-hmm. And if oh, oh yeah. dude. <laughs> and if you if you strip down, uh all of her wrestling, she's still fantastic. She's one of the few people on the planet where you can literally take all her wrestling away from her, and she's still incredible. She's still she's been a game designer. She's a great social media person. She has a lot of things going for her personality-wise. If you go onto her Kanachan channel, a lot of good content there. Awesome cook. Just overall, five-star. Not just in wrestling, which is great. Super intelligent. You know? that It's, it's kind of like... That's the full package. Though. It's not even fair to compare somebody to Asuka. Yeah. You know it's kind of I mean? funny. Like, does it really even get better than Asuka? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's almost an unfair thing. Like, is there is there a tier above that? I don't think so. When I'm we're talking specifically like Japanese and even women wrestling, you know what I mean? Like, is there really a tier above that? There really isn't. And the funny thing about it is, if her English gets good enough, Asuka's funny. Asuka could do stand up. <laughs> Not for nothing, but Asuka's so good that she makes me feel like instead of her English being good enough, my Japanese has to be good enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, I should give her that level of respect. It's like, she came to this country, and the least I could do is learn Japanese. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <You> like, <know? laughs> it's like, I'm telling you, dude. Like, it doesn't... So it's like a shitty comparison. And you know what? The other girls are really good, too. Like, Harry Sane's really good. It's hard because WWE's hit the jackpot, but they have better scouts than everybody else, apparently, right now. Because everyone else was just like, quick, grab a Japanese chick. You know? And they just got whatever was left. You don't think that they would have had Riho by now with the way that they scouted talent? You don't think that somebody else would have had Riho at some other point before them? And I exactly. get it. This is about bringing up new talent. But that's when you need a performance center or some sort of a development. They shouldn't be going up against the NXT women's roster. That's suicide. Yeah. Yeah. To Jericho's point, when people tune in AEW, they're going to hear names like Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and so on and so forth. And they're going to know who those people are versus the NXT developmental. This is something that he said recently, flipping his own logic against him. Well, when you listen to the women on Wednesdays, there's a lot more talent. There's a Shayna Baszler, you know, first of all, there's Rhea Ripley. Mia Yim. Yeah, there's more known names there now. And then when we go to AEW, it's, it's Riho versus fucking Britt Baker versus, uh, I don't even know who the hell else there is. Nyla Bra. No, fucking no. Nyla Bra, that's messed up. <laughs> hey, fuck him. <laughs> I have nothing against her, but at the same time, 
It's the attitude that bothers me the most I, about him. Not like, even the attitude. I got to give my honest opinion here. I would have preferred, and I'll be careful my wording here, I would have preferred if for something as important as your women's world title, if your first title match had two biological women in it, specifically because it's called a women's match. If I get a Diet Coke and someone tells me that it still has the same amount of sugar as regular Coca-Cola, then it is not a fucking Diet Coke. Even if I was to change the fucking stickers on the front of it, no matter how hard I try, one has sugar chemically and the other one has aspartame. One might cause cancer and the other one might cause fatness, allegedly. There are two completely different things. You can't give me a regular Coke and tell me it's diet or vice versa. That's the way that I'm looking at this situation where it's a women's match. Women physically are not the same as men. And I've said this before. So at the very least, if you're going to try to be have that representation bullshit and all of that other stuff at the very least, how about the first match just start with two people that began biologically from the womb out the vagina as women call me fucking old fashioned. But I think that would have helped than for you to have a 90-pound wet woman beat someone who biologically is arguably superior. And like and Spartan yeah. Jesus pointed out, to make that to make matters worse, Nyla isn't really all that great in the ring, even if she was going for a male title. Still wouldn't be my vote even for if, champion. Even She's if she not went, good in the ring. Even if she went up against Tessa Blanchard for her Impact World Championship, Tessa Blanchard's better and will probably fuck her up in the locker room too. Fucking Mark said last one for the night. That's my mama starting to the rose. I'm fucking done. <laughs> wow. At this point, Spartan Jesus, it could have been anybody versus Riho. I did, like the sad part is like, I don't know if we, we, we might still be in the same position we are now. Oh, man. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I kind of want to see that. That's my mama starting to the Holy shit. And you know what the sad part about it is she's the most credible female. Yeah, because she's one of the more decent ones, but everybody knows her as Adam Cole's girlfriend. And she she hasn't done anything that's really been that impressive. The most impressive thing she did was look shocked in NXT when she was part of AEW. <laughs> when you watch her boyfriend drop 20 feet out of the fucking sky. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to some other interesting stories. It looks like we're going to be getting those ice cream bars. You hear about that? Yeah. We'll see. I'm Pope Mark finally has something to cheer about. You guys won. Yeah. Yeah. It only took them, what, a decade? <laughs> and now you get WWE yeah. ice beat cream bars just like that. You guys feel victorious? When do they come out? Do we even know the stuff? Let me look at the. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think I've seen a date. Let me see if I could pull up some information on this shit here. Be funny if they taste like ass, wouldn't it? No, it really wouldn't. <laughs> Take a <It> bite. <laughs> I mean, it could happen with this. You know, they've let us down in many other ways. What better way than to make ice cream taste bad, right? <laughs> <You know. laughs> Fuck it, why not? 
be like Raven Santa Claus. It'd be terrible. Anybody interested in information about these ice cream bars, the link is now on the chat room and in our social media. And uh, what information do we have about it? They're going to have John Cena, Becky Lynch, Roman Reigns, and Randy Savage. That's an interesting combination. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought you were joking with Randy Savage. I mean, I got well, nothing against Randy. It's just interesting. It's just, like, it's just like of all the things. I feel like he wouldn't belong in that group. Please. It's it's fucking out of place. <laughs> like imagine okay. if like the ice cream bars in the eighties would have had like Macho Man, Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and Triple and, H, like, and like Luthez. <laughs> Killer Kowalski. Yeah, some shit like that. You know, it would just it would be interesting, but it would be like, hmm. Definitely out of your class there. But like, like just, just imagine if like Impact has decided one day, you know what, we're gonna come around with ice cream bars. We're gonna so have the- uh Sammy Callahan, Tessa Blanchard, Brian Cage, and Jeff Jarrett. Like yeah. huh? Spartan Jesus said that they taste like their product shit. Yeah, probably they probably don't have chocolate, right? That's what I would assume. Be a good humor are the peoples that are making this was a, this the cookie sandwiches, is that what it is? The cookie sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. Can oh, I? Oh man! How much is it saying is in the calories over there? I would love for somebody to to. I mean, come on, one hundred and fifty. The calories are okay though, but I I need to know about some carbs and some of the sugars in here. I need to know that they're Let not gonna. See. Let me see if I can get a look at it. Yeah, I need to know that they're not gonna slip something in that it doesn't belong there. Don't nylon my ice cream. I can't see the calories, but I can't fucking believe you just said don't nylon my ice cream. Give me the real thing. That's fucked up. Damn. That's who it should have been. It should have been. Damn. It should have been Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, John Cena, and Nyla Rose. <laughs> and she should be in the same polls that Macho Man's in in that shot. Just smile. Oh, no. How come? Is, am I the senior of the, the savages? Does Savage's hand look transparent in that image? It kind of does. What is he, a fucking force ghost? Am I losing my mind here? <laughs> Is he force projecting himself? You know? <laughs> Look at this shit here. Are you kidding me right now? It's like the new WWE okay. ice cream bar with Roman Reigns. We got Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, John Cena, and Slap you a slip chip. Yo, of all people to be see through in this. Yo, of all people to be fucking seeking. <laughs> I'm not just seeing this, right? I think he's wait a minute. Let me pull my let me pull my PC a little bit closer. Let me see something. What am I fucking looking at here? That his that Randy Randy Savage is transparent. <laughs> I want to believe it's just me seeing it. I really fucking. Well, then do. I guess it's just both of us seeing it. Then I <laughs> look at his hand. He's fucking using the force to be part of this fucking cookie sandwich. That motherfucker came back from beyond the grave to be part to of the, be part of the sandwich. cookie sandwiches, man. I can't believe in the in the. Wow, this company. Oh. <laughs> Yo, I am crying right now. This is fucking. Is it kind of ironic how we can't see him but this fucking scene in front of him? Make that a bitch. Yeah, right. We can see him too. <laughs> we can see through you. <laughs> Yeah, because Cena's gone, he's going to start to slowly disappear, like in Back to the Future in the photo. Oh. We're going to be sitting here like, oh, at least Cena's there. You're going to hear Earth Angel, Earth Angel. See, see, see I'm, I'm there with Cena. <laughs> it's like, I see it and I don't see it all at once. 
I see it. I'm trying not to see it. His hand is fucking transparent. <laughs> he didn't make it all the way back yet. He left the hand behind. You know, you're going to bite into the sandwich. You're going to hear, ooh, yeah. Oh, like, what the fuck? Spartan Jesus said, does the Macho Man bars come with a copy of his rap CD? Ooh, yeah. You st- <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I just can't believe that. That's that's pretty crazy, you know? He's a force ice cream station. Use the force, John. Yeah, right. Force ice cream. Oh, God. Slap it to the force. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That is really <sighs> disturbing. <laughs> what the hell was that? Not only is he out of place, but they caught the apparition, not the actual macho man. Let's move the hell on, because I'm spooked. Oh, God. And I'm not talking about what freaking Tessa Blanchard calls minorities. You stupid. I'm just kidding. She's not racist. She's just a bitch. Uh, of course. See, that's okay. That's. We won't accuse her of being racist again. No, no. All right, I don't well, want to get punched. I, I avoid talking about this every week because there's always news about it, but the XFL... The XFL. Oh, that here. thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They've apparently changed some of the rules from the NFL. I don't know if you heard about it. Uh, I barely pay attention to the NFL at this point. So I mean, nah. <laughs> game. Thanks for the sparks, man. Ten thousand with the genius with the Cena shocked face. All right. What do we got here with this XFL? I'm gonna. I hope I don't press this and then regret eating up time on it. Okay. So XFL. This is this is an explanation about how overtime works in the XFL. This is the XFL Overtime. This is about edge-of-your-seat, game-ending action. There's no coin toss, no one-possession wins, and no ties. Instead, XFL Overtime is a shootout. So the best players on both sides always determine who wins the game. Each offense gets up to five one-play possessions to score from the five-yard line. Teams get two points for each successful conversion. Teams alternate plays until one team is mathematically eliminated. The defense can't score, but if they make a stop or create a turnover, the play is dead. The team with the most points after the five-round shootout wins. If it's tied after five rounds, then things go to single rounds until one team scores and the other doesn't. Because this is winner-take-all kind of football. This is for the love of football. This is the XFL. So Mark 710 says, so it's like a soccer free kick. So the thing is, um, I don't know. Do you guys feel like it's something that will contribute to changing the game in a compelling way? Or is it just for the sake of being different? It sounds like just, hey, we want to be different. You Do you think that that would be actually entertaining as far as adding something like that to the sport? I think once you see it happen a few times, you actually understand what's going on, maybe. Because I was sitting there like, I, I guess I could follow along with this. But then again, I mean, it, it's hard to say at this point, because let's be real. We can't act like the XFL doesn't already have a little bit of like a stench behind that name because of how much it bombed the first time. So it's like nobody's excited about this thing a second time around. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. 
it's like I said, they're, they're trying, at least they're trying. I don't know. I can't believe that they went in, um, in, into, uh, into this again. So Mark said how the Saints lost two weeks ago. They might want that in the NFL. Depends if it turns into blitz, the league style play. I hope someone knows this game. <laughs> All right. So there's also talk of them changing. Uh, they have a double forward pass now, which uh, I'm going to check this out here we won't play all their videos but these were the two that were on the sheet so let's go to this freaking double forward pass this is the xfl double forward pass this is about offensive creativity typically in football only one forward pass is allowed so if you want to try one of those tricky double passes that first pass has to be a lateral and those are risky not in the xfl In our game, two forward passes are allowed as long as the ball doesn't cross the line of scrimmage until that second pass. So the game speeds up and the playbook opens wide up, creating exciting and unique opportunities for dual threat players. This is for the love of football. This is the XFL. I think that one's a little bit weird because... (laughs) Right, I was sitting there like, huh? So you can pass the ball, and as long as you don't go past the line, uh, you can pass it again. Is what they're basically saying. So you can throw the ball to somebody, and then you can have that person throw the ball to somebody else. That's what they're essentially saying, right? Am I am I hearing this wrong? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Let's look at it. This is the XFL double forward pass. This is about offensive creativity. Typically in football, only one forward pass is allowed. Okay, so let's look so here. So if you want to try here. one of those tricky double passes, that first pass has to be allowed. Okay. And those are risky. That's true. You always have to pass backwards in regular football, Not right? in the XFL. In our game, two forward passes are allowed as long as the ball doesn't cross the line of scrimmage until that second pass. So the game speeds up and the playbook opens wide up, creating exciting and unique opportunities. All right, we get the point. Exciting. Being excited, get excited. I don't know. That's different. It feels yeah. less professional, though. It feels like there's something less professional about. It. Maybe I, this again, like we have to see it and understand it more than. I mean, even looking at, the, I had to look at the video twice just to see. You know. Yeah, the, the, these two things sound like it, it's gonna have you something where if we see it in action. Then you'll have a more accurate feel on if you're gonna like it or hate it. So. uh after you score a touchdown, you have three options, a single-point play from the two-yard line, a two-point play from the three-yard line, or a three-point play from the ten-yard line. Teams won't have an option to kick for an extra point at all. Um, kickoffs will be from the 30-yard line, and the blocking teams will line up at the receiving team's 35- and 30-yard line. Only the kicker and the returner are allowed to move until the ball is core, or they have to wait three seconds after it hits the ground. Any ball that bounces out of bounds will go to the 45-yard line. They want to take away fair catches and touchbacks. Players are not allowed to leave the line of scrimmage during punt until after the kick. This is to keep from fair catches and coffin corner kicks. Overtime will be the shootout style that we spoke about where each team has the five single play, blah, blah, blah. We already heard about that. Uh, forward passes, we already heard about that. It's to encourage more trick plays. Apparently, is why they're doing the forward passes, which you're definitely going to get a lot of Harlem Globetrotter type shit in the in, in, in football now. You know, um, one foot inbounds counts for a possession. This is to discourage injuries. 
There's, there will be nine officials during a game. Most of them will have experience at the D1 level. Reviewing of a play can be done after calls inside five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Hawkeye technology will be used in the broadcast truck. Offensive linemen will be allowed to go two yards downfield when a pass is thrown. This can be done to avoid flags. And uh, the game clock will continue running after incomplete passes when a runner goes out of bounds. The rule will be suspended if there are less than two minutes left on each half. There will be no coin toss the home team will choose during overtime the visiting team chooses. Hmm. It's almost a different game if you think how much shit they yeah. play, you know? Like a lot of that will change the dynamic of uh of the sport entirely, you know? You can't even simulate their games on the Maddens anymore. They'll need their own XFL video game franchise. Maybe they should That's have his uh, point, really, right? Maybe they should have two K make it, right? Uh, <laughs> I made another funny. <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> you fucking stupid. It could be interesting. I agree with that. Yeah. I just think it's risky. As far as Jesus said, don't let Vince hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, right. He sacrificed everything for this. You know, the XFL died so that we may live. Oh, boy. So there's been a lot more speculation about Edge and even Paige, both making WWE returns. I don't know if this stem cell shit has uh, come further than we've been paying attention to, or if WWE just doesn't care anymore. They're like, fuck it, it's their neck. I hope to think not. I don't think that's the case. There has to be some new stuff. Either that or these rumors came out of thin air, you know, because, uh, you know, it's it's very weird, very weird situation in regards to... uh, just suddenly two people who both said that they could take a bump and probably be, be quadriplegics are now just like, eh, I might come back after hear a little bit more about it. You know, I also don't know how I would feel Paige. Definitely her career ended too short, but I think Edge's career is fine. I think that it actually had a storybook ending. He was at WrestleMania 27. He defended sure. the World heavyweight title against Alberto Del Rio. He retained that title and retired the following day. And to this day, I feel, and I have nothing to go by, but my own uh, opinion on this, no proof. I think that going into WrestleMania 27, they already received bad news from the doctors because every sign, I know you guys probably won't remember it was years ago, but every sign that was back when Alberto Del Rio was in his year one. If anybody remembers anything about year one, Alberto Del Rio, that motherfucker was white hot. He was winning everything. He was as hot as it could get. They were cl- clearly high on him. It was, as a matter of fact, I believe that's the year where he said winning the Royal Rumble is my destiny. And then he went on to win it. He was my pick yep. to win that Royal Rumble. And it just seemed like the obvious tale at the end of the story would be for him to win the World Heavyweight Championship from Edge at that WrestleMania. Everything was pointing in that direction. It was funny to me. It's not like they haven't done it before, but it was funny to me that that was the first match of the card. At the time, that was less often something that happens. And I truly feel like maybe they just kept it under wraps and only a few people knew. But that night, they probably knew that Edge wasn't going to be able to wrestle anymore. And they were like one last time before we officially announce it. I, I, I believe, think, yeah, I believe that was the case. I think Edge went into that knowing like this is it. They probably can't ever legally admit it because there was still a risk there. But I think just to give him that ending, that closure, they let him have his last WrestleMania moment. And then that very next Monday, the first thing that they did was have him retire the belt and give that speech. Because it's just funny timing to me that it's like WrestleMania, you were perfectly fine. You had WrestleMania, which went off at like almost one in the morning. And then sometime between then and the next morning, you were diagnosed to never wrestle again. Wasn't the next night because I woke up that morning to the news. I remember 
that he was going to be announcing his retirement last night. And it was just difficult for me to place when all of this could have occurred. If WrestleMania is the biggest day of the year, the busiest day of the year, and you just wrestled and defended your title and it went off the air late, when did you get the call that you were never going to be able to wrestle again, that your neck was fucked up? When did you contact them? What do you do? Contact them at four in the morning and by the morning they had already decided that you were going to it's just strange. You know, I'm not saying that it's not possible that that happened. I'm just saying that I feel like that ending had a lot to do with the fact that uh, they probably knew he was done. If they didn't know for sure, they probably had an idea. And that's the reason why they let him retain. That being said, he had a storybook ending. Really cool. Went out on top. Came out a big speech. Mother hugged him. You know, big celebration. All this shit. You know what I mean? It's kind of like now you're going to come back to this broken, disheveled WWE. You know what I mean? Like Shawn Michaels did. Might not be a good look, right? Not a good look at all, because Sean came back and he didn't say shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it. I just think that I like Edge's career the way that it ended. That being said, Gary Cassidy interviewed Triple H, and he asked him. I'm going to link you guys to his stuff here. It's two separate links he put on social media. We're going to t- check it out and link you if you're watching on the map. But he asked Triple H about those returns, about those injuries, um, you know, just overall about the situation. And this is what he had to say. Um, there's been a few rumours that have started online recently that seem to have come for mainly speculation. I just wanted to get your opinion on them. Come on, um, people speculate. <laughs> so one was involving someone that came from England, has been one of the most innovative wrestlers from England, it's Paige, and other is Edge, and a speculation about their in-ring returns possibly happening. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? So, you know, with both of them, th- those would be personal choices for them. But I shouldn't say that personal choice for part of it and then medical choice for the other part of it right there there are um wwe is at a different level it's hard to even put that into there is just there is no other level almost from a medical oversight standpoint every now and then i'll hear somebody else talk about oh they're they're medical or something and it doesn't exist fact um if you, just because you have a doctor every now and then doesn't mean you have a medical protocol, right? Um, so f- for us, there's, there's certain parameters. And when we believe that it's in your, not in your best interest, we put the human being first and their health and their long-term health. This, the life goes on for a long time after this ends. Um, especially now, you know, um, the style and the, um, physicality has increased dramatically. So when you get to a place where at some point we're telling you medically not in your best interest, um, they're, they're, it's a medical decision. That is far from us. If, a, if our medical uh, experts say that they believe that this person has done whatever to rehab their situation, or it could be multiple situations and anything, um, but if they've done that, that all of that and they're now safe to get back into the ring, we allow it if, if they're not. And you see that with Daniel Bryan. No, no, none of us ever thought Daniel Bryan was going to step in the ring, at least not for us. And that was a question for him. You know, well, I can't do it for you. Doesn't mean I can't do it for other places. But, you know, you have the conversation with him about if medical experts are telling you this isn't the best thing, right? Um, but he worked extraordinarily hard for a long period of time to get himself back to a place physically where medical teams, the same people that disqualified him were willing to say, yeah, okay, I, I, now I feel like this is a safe return. So if that's the case, when you're talking about people as talented as Edge, Paige, 
who wouldn't want them to return? I'm a fan just like everyone else, and I, I would, yeah, I would love to see them step into the ring and compete. More importantly than that, though, I'd like to see them live long, healthy lives. You know, Edge has kids. You know, Paige, maybe well, she probably has some she doesn't know of. But um, <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> Can you some coffee? For this? <laughs> um, you know, you want them to the, the, their health first, people first. You know, this is great. This is all great, but at the end of the day, it's not the it's not not everything. So, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, for one thing, Edge has been gone a long time, a lot longer than Daniel Bryan was gone. So, I think with when when Bryan came back, at least for me, when I look at some of these guys like the Edges, like uh, a lot of the guys who hung it up because their body basically couldn't handle it anymore. I think Daniel Bryan, it opened the door and it opened the possibility that we could see if, let's say, Edge is feeling good enough, he might have a few more in him. I remember um, it's one of my favorite parts of Paige's retirement speech was the fact that Daniel Bryan gave her hope, but she said Edge showed her there's a pop, there's some, there's life after. So with page in a case i think she's she made peace with it either way but i mean with edge it's it's a possibility i mean just like spartan jesus just said edge looks incredible that man looks like he just hit his prime so i think if it ever became a point where they would both decide to come back or one or the other it one of those things where i think they'd be a hundred percent sure but i mean i'm right with you when i say when you feel like edge had that storybook ending but it's one of those things where it's like, does it always kind of bug him that 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 um it ended like it did? Because I mean well, that neck him. injury snuck right back up on him. But he dealt with it off and on for years. But it's like it ended how it did with him on top as the world champion. You know, yeah, but it's like how long would he have been able to go if it didn't sneak back up on him Who again? Who cares? He ended as beating the main villain, being the champion, getting hugged by his mothers, and going off to the mountains like Ryu. Good job. Call it yeah. a career. Then you got to be a totally awesome podcast host and all this other shit, you know? Don't, don't risk yourself right now. Product's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, if, if it was an incredible company, yeah, maybe, but... We're hearing it is going to be a Rumble appearance. That that's going to be... We don't know if there's anything after that, though. Like, it might just be a Rumble appearance. Yeah, that's also another thing. Like, if he wants to come back, is it just for, like, one last dance in the sun? Or is it, like, a comeback, comeback? But I think just maybe a pop-up in the Rumble... That'd be fine. Get the rumble pop. Get to be in there one more time. Get to hear the pyro go off one more good time. And then that's it. You're done. Yeah. Well, he's hoping. By yeah. the way, guys. I wouldn't mind seeing I wouldn't mind seeing him in the ring one last time. I just think you gotta be really safe about it though. Yeah, for sure. And for anyone that was wondering, the the price of those WWE ice cream bars is between three dollars and five dollars and twenty nine cents, and they're gonna be available in April. So we're probably going to tell you what, during the WrestleMania weekend, we'll eat them on the air. Taste test. There you go. Perfect. Now we got it all scheduled out in celebration. And if you hear a that means one of us died on the air because they taste like shit. Exactly. So we'll basically take one for the team for you guys. You can't know? say we never did none for y'all. Mm-hmm. Definitely can't. According to Mouser, he said that 
Io Shirai is not necessarily happy in WWE currently. We spoke about this a little bit last week. Possibilities being because she was making more in stardom. Her fiance, Evil, being in Japan. Uh, just figured I would update you guys about the fact that now we're hearing that she's not happy there. So, you know, don't be surprised. They got to make her happy, man. I don't want to lose Io Shirai. They don't have a choice at this point. Like, <laughs> I, I think they're going to lose her no matter what, but at least try so that when it happens, I won't hate you. You know, like I'll be like, well, they offered her everything. They offered her full. They offered her to be the head booker of all of WWE. <laughs> and she still didn't want to take it, you know? Because, I mean, that girl's going to be a star no matter where she goes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. All right. Well, next bit of news. Um, basically, what was the show that The Miz was on? The Miz was on, uh, and I actually saw it too. It was either, uh, it was one of those shoot shows that they do, not a WWE is known for. It was either Backstage or Raw. Maybe it was The Bump. Or the bump, one of the two. Miz basically made a comment where he said uh, something like, you know, sorry that I didn't quote unquote change the culture. That's a reference to CM Punk's first appearance when he said, <laughs> you know, just when they changed the, the rules, I changed the, the culture, which was a bad line, by the way. It was a bad line. Yeah, terrible. Nothing changed. And uh, CM Punk responds to the saying, go suck a blood money covered dick in Saudi Arabia, you fucking dork. And then later on, deleted the comment. I swear to God, I wish Twitter didn't have a delete button. Because some of y'all, some of y'all have to be saying some off the wall shit. And you'd be like, no, delete. There's speculation that Fox had told him, you know, dude, you know, that's really tasteless. You know, there's there's a lot of bad reasons why that's terrible. It's, uh, I mean, if we're going to go by today's culture and how sensitive everybody's is, and I wanted to dissect that using that logic, then it's basically pr- um framing homosexual sexual acts in a negative uh image as well as throwing saudi arabia under the bus a place where wwe has business that being said cm punk for a guy who acts like nothing bothers him it's becoming quite obvious that every little thing does you know, it's weird to have that persona of not nothing bothers me that these stupid marks say and what the fans say and I don't give a fuck about this and blah blah blah. And shut the fuck up right now! Like and it's like I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I you eat you and your cat, bitch. Like no, calm you know down. What I mean? like, like it's kind of like people bother things bother him. Yeah, like Stacey said, he's the new bread. He's the bread of this generation. Things bother him more than they bother most people, and he has knee jerk reactions to things. You know, and uh, damn his attitude. You know what I mean? Like it's hard. It's difficult to like him. It's really difficult to like him when every time he's in the media, he's just so fucking nasty. Like, dude, have a sugar cookie and calm down, bro. Like, it's not that serious. He made a funny. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, like he comes up in the news almost every week and I kind of spare you guys. I feel like we're the kind of show that I don't want to just, you know, bring up bullshit. This this to me was something worth bringing up. But this is to the point where every time he says something, it's like the news cover it. And you know what? You don't hear me on this show very often talk about things that Stone Cold says and The Rock says and CM Punk says. And don't get me wrong. All of the legends say stuff every single week. And I have to basically flip through all of that stuff and filter through because a lot of it is dirt sheet clickbait they just give you stories that are for the sake of clickbait legends are always going to be interviewed every single week and at the end of the day they're not in the spotlight and and then and a lot of them are not in the spotlight by choice so i prefer not to hear their shit no no disrespect to the legends but i don't want to hear Shawn michaels or stone cold steve austin for the hundredth time explain why they could have another match but probably won't have another match i don't give a fuck 
I'm not really interested anymore. I'm trying to get focus on the wrestlers that are here. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, imagine if all these years, every time there was a new Star Trek, Patrick Stewart was like, you know, I could still be captain right now, but I'm not going to do it. You know, then, 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 then you could always just not fucking do this interview. I don't need to hear that you could, but, but are going to do it. You right, I mean? show up the day when you are going to be the fucking captain. They don't talk. Imagine if every single time there was a new Marvel Cinematic Universe, Tobey Maguire was like, you know, I used to be Spider-Man, you know, but I decided not <laughs> well, to do it not anymore. Not now, motherfucker. It's like, all right, then, all right, man, good, good. This is just one of those things, you know, when back, back when they were doing the Christopher Nolan movies and Michael Keaton saying, you know, I was a dark Batman once. Maybe I'll do it again. There's nothing stopping me. I'm healthy enough to be Batman again. I still am physically fit. I work out every day, but I just think that it's time for the younger people. Yeah, me too. I, I can't you wait until do. years from now you're sitting there like, you know, I used to hawk tools talk brunch. Could do it now. Don't it's, feel like it. It's good for the people who land these interviews. You're getting to talk to a legend or whatever. But I think it's bad for us, the people who are getting the news third party. Because at the end of the day, we know all these guys are still around. And if they really wanted us to know more about them, they'd be in the spotlight. And if they don't want to, I respect that. But I just don't want to hear about them every week. CM Punk's also falling into that category, even though he's a lot younger than most legends, where it's like all of these people that are not directly and have no intention of being directly involved in the business. Now, everyone has a podcast, so they all talk about what they used to do or or what they could do now, but consciously choose not to. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know that you used to be a wrestler and I didn't know that you could still do it now. But you have said no. Thought I was going to see you on SmackDown this fucking Friday. Lion. What? It happens too often. It just happens too often. So a lot of the time when you listen to this show, I streamline the news. I'm talking about what's current and what's happening. And if there's time, if Dustin and I want to have a few jokes just for shit, we may throw in a holster flow or something there. But it's more for our amusement. Where it's like it's not urgent to hear what the legends are doing or that they're thinking about coming back or that CM Punk's angry all the fucking time. You know? Do you want to go over any of the Impact stuff? The Impact, they're hard to kill. Do you care about that entire card or was the main thing that you I mean, you, you needed to talk about... Uh, Tessa was the star of that thing. That was really the only talk going into hard to kill. As it was that Tessa Blanchard was challenging for the world championship. I don't have the card in front of me to even say if there was anything else. I'll try to load the card up so we could just take a quick peek. Yeah, you know, we took a glance at it. Okay, let's see. Is this the card over here? Oops, wrong. <laughs> you fuck it. <laughs> that wasn't the card. Yeah, that sure as hell was a fun car. That was a car. Wow, I am disappointed. Yes, Margie, I heard about that. I don't know. Could be. Maybe. Uh, you mean about Brian Cage joining uh, AEW? Yeah. A lot of people are saying, uh, like, after his match with RVD, he boom, signed, but... And Melissa Santos was like, he didn't do that. And I'm just like... Yeah, that's, that's his uh, wife or something, right? Yeah, Melissa Santos' his wife. Yeah, she basically said, uh, really, how can you confirm something that isn't true? I'm his wife, and I can confirm he hasn't signed on any dotted line. And then uh, basically a fan said that people should wait for an official announcement, and she said, exactly. And when he finally signs somewhere, be it AEW, Impact, etc., we will let you know. People trying to get ahead of the actual facts is not cool. It'll look worse if you said all of that, and he signs with AEW, though. But exactly. it would have been better to say nothing at all. I think yeah. in this particular case, Meltz is the one who basically said that AEW probably wanted him to de- to debut as a big surprise, and uh, he had his last match on that pay per view at Hard to Kill and Impact Wrestling, and um, they always wanted him from the start, and he was part of that Southern California crew, but was under contract with Impact Wrestling, so they put were pushing him as a top guy. Um, so apparently he's was something one who they said is going to be a surprise. Which yeah, Brian Cage would fit right in. In uh, AEW. Yeah. No, Spartan G. If we're not throwing everybody in the fucking dark order, stop that. 
Yeah, everybody will be in the dark order. We won't be able to tell that it's him, even though like his fucking muscles bulge out of the hood or whatever the hell they have right. wearing. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm trying to bring up a card here so we can have a look at what we have here. Uh, you had Madman Fulton against Ken Shamrock, Moose versus Rhino, Rob Van Dam against Brian Cage, Michael Elgin against Eddie Edwards, The North versus Willie Mack against Rich Swan. Taya Valkyrie versus Jordan Grace versus ODB, Ace Austin versus Trey, and, and Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard. I'm not really going to go into results. I mean, unless you guys really want. I don't want, so I'm going to say assume yeah. you don't want. Um, uh, the only said, thing I could pick, I actually um, discovered it earlier today, the uh, clip of the last bit of the uh, main event, if you wanted to check it out. Uh, you'll need to give me a minute to cue that up. But something that I wanted to show you guys was uh, the new X Division title was apparently displayed. So we should bring that up on the screen so that yeah. they could get a good look at that. Yeah, they really, it looks like that's what the theme they're doing. Um, They're just changing the colors of all these belts because the designs haven't changed. It's just it's going from the blue to the red now, which, I mean, they look great, like. Yeah, the yeah, X Division so. title's always been one of the best looking titles on in that show. Yeah, no, it has. I I used to like the old one that looked like an actual X, but this is cool. Yeah, the the original one that like AJ Styles wore and like Christopher Daniels, but it, it's always been a beautiful looking belt. That that division's always been a blast and a half to watch, even though hardly we don't hardly know anybody there anymore. But yeah, did you give me the link to the end of whatever the thing was? Oh, there. Yeah, I just shot you. It's all the last, basically the finishing moments of uh, Callahan and Tessa. Give me a few minutes. I'm gonna need to get in there and grab it. So. Oh yeah, yeah, you're good. But it was, um, yeah, the the red leather one of the good old days. Like, yeah, I, I when I first started watching Impact, I remember it was when they first showed up on Spike TV, and I remember the X Division Championship was one of the coolest looking belts I've seen to this day. With the 2K games, I always try to find one. So. But yeah, this um, it was a special night for Tessa. I think this night was honestly built around Tessa Blanchard because the girl has been hard to kill ever since she's been fighting the dude pretty much. So. Uh huh. Oh, good for her. Yeah, I'm trying to get this up here. Oh yeah. The best part about that from seeing that clip was the reaction of the, like just every reaction in that building. Everybody was ecstatic for that shit. And it's like, despite what you feel about Sam Callahan, I mean, the fucking guy put her over. Which, with the personality of Sammy Callahan, I'm just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if, if anything good's come of Sammy Callahan, it's, just, it's that he put some chick over for the Impact World title, I guess, if I had to choose something. Yeah, because he could have just been an ass and been like, nah, nah. But even in the first match, because I wound up watching back to their Slammiversary match, even in losing, he made Tessa look fantastic. So Yeah. Like I said, that's that's a guy who's never resonated with me. I know a lot of people are high on him suddenly now. It came out of nowhere. I, I think it's because as dangerous as he used to be, and this is from somebody even I don't like, Sammy Callahan. I've seen it's not been much. It's not been on a massive level, but I've seen the improvement. And no, George, she's not. Yeah, you have to watch the replay. It'll appear on the bottom of the Mixer channel on the replays as soon as I'm done, or you can watch it on iTunes. But we we spoke about why we don't think that she is a racist. But anyway, here's the here's the finish to this that Dustin wants you guys to see. Here is 
scary still shot. Right? <laughs> Is that guy the screenshot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Right? Enemy messed up links, man. I don't know. It, it was working. <laughs> The stage to say WWE camera, but I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a big, it was a big moment for her for sure. Like that was real emotion too. That wasn't just like, oh, I won the world title. That was like that girl knows she just changed everything. Yeah, very, very cool. And hopefully, we don't have to hear too much about it. The, this racist. I feel like we're always in here talking about different racism, different kinds of racism. So whenever we have to do it, you know, the thing about it is, I thought about it, especially when we compared to the, the uh, Taylor Hendrick thing. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like the whole Taylor Henderson. This is the only time we hear about that shit. Because oh, there's not like... going to be any time where they can now ruin something for her. Because, like I said before, you didn't say shit in 2017. So clearly, like you said, you put your career first. So you don't get to just bring that shit up two and a half, three years later. Exactly. They brought that up just to try to ruin that night for her. And they didn't do it. Nope. And uh, like I said, the timing of it, you know, they were watching their own careers but impact announced their next pay-per-view with all the other stiffs going on i don't want to have to worry about uh you know every single story out here but good luck to impact yeah. wrestling with their rebellion pay-per-view yeah for yeah. sure you know, they like like we said before that company has managed to stay alive through everything so i can't not salute to them for that because you... yeah absolutely all right holy crap do we have to wrap up here we're going to talk about ratings a little bit uh a A W did nine hundred forty seven thousand views, point thirty six in the eighteen to forty nine demographic, versus NXT seven hundred twenty one thousand views, point nineteen in the eighteen to forty nine demographic. So A W is starting to beat the crap out of NXT. Back to the winning ways, and nobody can pull the excuse of a tape show this time. It wasn't a tape show. There was no holiday. There was they no went Christmas, head to no fucking head and smashed them. This was head to head. 947,000 almost a million views versus NXT 721,000 they're beating them they're beating them definitively now so and this is the first time since they've been doing like live head-to-head that somebody's almost tapped a million this is the closest thing this is closest either side to come yeah and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against Private Party which was the opening at that point they were at a million 13,000 so Whereas NXT at that point was at 818,000. So right there, you know, you can see exactly what happened. Exactly. They said that uh, AEW averages 1.2 million viewers each week. You know, and this this is when you're looking at viewer seven-day habits. So for a week, we're talking everything, not just live. They're reaching 1.2 million. So they're doing very well for themselves. Yeah, they're, they're doing good. Yeah, they're doing very good. You know, they are. Uh, they said that uh, the December twenty third RAW did two hundred and three thousand viewers in Canada. SmackDown did one hundred twenty nine thousand. I believe AEW beat both those numbers in Canada. So in Canada, even yeah. RAW is not safe in his ass whooping. Yeah, there's no specific number, but they said that those are lower than our AEW, especially in the key demographics. Just looking at this over here, it just looks like they're killing it. They're totally killing it. Yeah, they hit a couple of rough rough spots, but definitely AEW's once again proven like they're not going down easy. 
No, no, they aren't. They're doing really, really And good. they're beating, let's be real, the best of the three shows. <laughs> and that's, that's I, 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 it was like I said before, the only reason Raw and SmackDown give viewers like they do is because NXT is because AEW isn't on Monday or Friday. Yeah, which by the way, SmackDown is up this week. They did uh two point five hundred and three million viewers. So uh two point six hundred and ninety seven for the first hour, two point three hundred twenty six for the second hour. 0.75 rating in the 18 to 49 year demographic and it's up from the 2.413 million of the previous week WWE backstage according to Showbuzz did 124,000 views up from last week's 97,000 hey, look at them six digits Raw on the other hand dropped they did 2.384 million views versus 2.439 million they had the previous week Stop putting that lastly and on a bullshit on the problem on camera. You wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> two million five hundred fifty thousand viewers for the first hour, or the second hour did two point four hundred nine million. So some people fell off, and by the third hour, two point one hundred ninety five million. A hundred thousand people turned off the TV when Brock Lesnar left, is what that indicates, according to the sheets. And then the triple threat Raw tag team title match, another one hundred seventy five thousand dropped off. Becky Lynch and Oscar lost another twenty five thousand. AJ Styles and Randy Orton lost another 60,000. AJ Styles versus Akira Tozawa then gained 11,000. Bobby Lashley lost 1,000. They didn't even lose that many, really. Uh, AOP and Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe and Big Show and Kevin Owens gained 138,000. You can look moment to moment, and that's what makes their jobs so stressful. That the same way we're able to look in here and specifically tell when people said, fuck this, I'm changing the channel, so Vince. Yeah, come to you at the night and be like, you know what? 100,000 motherfuckers changed the channel when you came out there because you did like shit. I hate you. <laughs> you know? That's what happens, right? Isn't that what happens? You know what I'm saying? See, when you when you bring the big man out who actually wins world titles, ratings go up. Yeah, I said, Braun, what you gonna do? Not win another agree, world title? I agree with Spartan <laughs> Jesus. There's parts of Raw and SmackDown that are good and there's parts that you're right. They're all like, what in the actual fuck? It, it's a mixed bag. It's a really yeah. mixed bag here. You know, not going to even begin to lie to you about that. Okay, so uh, we can't talk about this happens every week, but we can't talk about all the injuries. Unfortunately, we haven't done injury road in forever, but we do have to talk about some important stuff uh, that has happened. Yeah. You know, one of those things being uh, La Parca. La Parca actually, and we spoke about it here. He had a nasty... Uh, suicide dive and unfortunately he passed away from it yep 56 years old yeah that to me is something else man we spoke about it when he first had the bump and we we were amazed that he wasn't dead they even some ill-spirited people even made a rumor that he did die you know when it first happened which uh i don't know it it seemed like a bad enough bump you know, it was possible. It, it was a nasty one for a suicide dive. Yeah, no, it really was. And it's it's sad if you go back and, and look at what he the way he took that bump. It just wasn't very cool. You know, uh, this was at the 64th Lucha Libre, Cowles Chaos Lucha Libre, 64th anniversary Relum Coliseum in Monterrey. Um, yeah, they said he had neck and cervical fracture and was unable to talk or move his extremities. He did eventually get the ability to communicate and regain some feeling, but uh, that's about as far as it went. 
he was 56 years old, like you said. Um, and he just never fully recovered from it. And I've said on here many times before, that's the reason why I don't like those stupid Tope Suicidas. They're not that good looking versus so many other bumps in the company. And the risk, even though it's rare that it happens, the risk of if you botch one of those is, is astronomical. And think about the fact that I'm, that's the only thing you ever hear me say that about. I've never, I'm not one of those people like, oh, well, I don't like that pile driver and things specifically. I've always been like, yo, those suicide dives, not worth it at all. Not even slightly worth it. And it's even worse when you're 56 years old, like your body's not moving like it does. So in the defense of some of the younger guys, the fact that they still at least move good, they can line, maybe at least do something to try to line it up. La Parca at 56, there's not much it can do. It's like it's taking everything he has just to get through the ropes and everything. So at that point, it's like literally all gravity. And there should have been some padding. You know what I mean? Like, not yeah, for nothing, something. But, but if Sasha Banks would have botched that shit in the way he did, he, she'd be dead too. You know, there's no padding or anything there. It's like that, that, that place needs, there needs to be a little bit more. And I hate to say, but this is one of the, I've never been a fan of the, of the Lucha brands because there's always some sloppy shit that goes on that's always makes you question whether or not a life could have been saved or an injury could have been prevented if people were just a little bit more careful and i feel feel that way with the Pedro aguayo thing when he died in the ring the way that they were shaking him and trying to get him to regain consciousness and shit after that it just feels to me like they're they're not fucking careful enough in this company you know and to me that suicide Same dive, thing with silver king yeah you see what i mean it's like and that suicide dive, and again those suicide dives are not good enough looking that they're worth the risk. You clip your leg and you pancake down. You're probably dead, you know. And Laparca, he goes way back. He was the chairman of the NWO. He was a big part of WCW, you know. He uh, he's been in, he's even been in TNA. He was he is one of the true blue lucha legends. Like he's that one face that everybody, no matter how long or how little time you've been watching Lucha Libre, you know at Laparca. You've seen the mask. You know him in some kind of way, shape, or form. Yeah, he was he was a legend. I mean, people knew him in, in America, but in Mexico, he was a legend. You don't understand how the fans connected with him. This was their Jushin Thunder. You know what I mean? When you really look at that it. That dude was a god over here. You know, like that was, and it's a shame that something like that even happened. And yeah, you're right, Spar. Not, not worth the quick pop. Not worth the quick pop at all. You know? And, uh, yeah. Just very sad stuff that happened. It was like I said on the intro, what I said, basically the translation was, uh, thank you, La Parca, for everything. Rest well, sir. Yeah. I'm not sharing on social media. If you didn't see it already, you could look for yourself. I'm not going to share the bump out of respect. I am going to play it for some of you live here that weren't sure that I see some of you don't even know what happened. But um, this was the bump that he took that caused the whole thing. And there won't be any link. Just showing it for reference. Like some oh, of the wait, people wait, wait, as wait. dangerous as the move is, some of the people you see like uh like like the Seth Rollins and the and the uh John Moxley and the other guys, they generate that speed where at least the other guy can try to protect you or something. Yeah. Like La Parker at fifty seven at fifty six, 
it's enough just to get through the ropes, but the ref, but the rest, it's it's not much to it. Yeah, no, there isn't. There is not at all. It's a shame, but I mean, for God's sake, Parker, thank you for everything. That man put his body on the line for everybody's enjoyment way longer than he should have, and nobody asked him to. He did that just because he did. He did this as long as he did, just because he loved doing it. He literally died for this shit. He did. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, while we're talking injuries, I'm only bringing a couple up because they kind of stand out to me. Ember Moon, she uh said that she ruptured her Achilles and tore it in half. Ugh. But how she did it, and I I said before that I find her a little bit injury prone. There was that time she did that ironically a suicide dive in NXT and she fucked herself up. I know she got injured again in WWE. It seems like she's always injured. So she basically said that the way that she got injured was while chasing the 24-7 title in one of those backstage segments. They said she was running with the women when Carmella had it. Remember that era where Carmella had it for a while? When she was running with the women, um, she, she, she said she had a bad feeling about it. And as she was running, she felt the pop and her Achilles was torn. Congratulations on being the, the first person to get injured while competing for the 24 seven championship. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because that sucks, but what the fuck? Listen, <laughs> is it fucking safe to say she's injury prone now, dude? Uh, yeah, that's, now that's injury prone. She fucking did that running after Carmella's 24 seven championship. Oh, God. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> I can just see the fucking Betty Hill music, and all you hear in the middle of it is a shit. <laughs> she injured herself running for the title, for the 24 7 title? Not even contacting a match, running for the title. Come on, man. <laughs> Damn. That is injury pro. And I love how she said that before they mentioned her doing this, she had a bad feeling about it. Like, really? You guys want me to run forward? I don't uh, know. I don't know yeah, about this, guys. I just, got this, I just got this thing. My ember tingles telling me telling me not to uh, not to do it. Ember is tingling. Is that another one? <laughs> like, Fuck it. Writing it down. Oh, man. Yeah, like I said, just really, really strange stuff as far as that goes. I wasn't expecting her to... Uh, for that to be how she hurt herself that badly, you know? And yeah, Kevin Nash is a good example. When you talk about, he said that, it, that that's the worst thing he's heard since Kevin Nash. Let me tell you something, man. Kevin Nash just recently released pictures. Did you see them of before and after his, his, uh, his knee what replacement? What the fuck happened to him? Yeah. I don't know. I can't figure it out. Yo, does Kevin Nash have another run in him? <laughs> Literally, no. He doesn't. He be, he probably doesn't even have another power you stupid. walk. You stupid! He probably doesn't even have another power walk. So this is how the that left is how his knees used to look, and I guess the right is after the surgery. Oh, good lord! Oh, I don't understand the left one at all. It, oh, in the left one, knowing that that's what his legs look like, I'm surprised he didn't just explode all over the place like in Death Becomes Her. You know. What I'm you know, like what? Yo, like it if, looks like somebody like tried to Photoshop somebody else's lower half onto his body, and it just didn't come out right. I'd be terrified to even get out of my bed. Somebody's wheeling me around. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting the Professor X treatment until that shit is fixed. When your leg look, look at his leg. Look at that. It looks like he's in pain all the time. Like it looks like just existing socks. Oh my god. There's barely even a knee there. 
That bitch is the K-N with no E's. That's a... N- <laughs> Jesus Christ. He looks like a deformed bird in the one of the <laughs> They got the audience again! Yeah, I don't know what happened there, right? Oh! You know what he... Oh, God, fucking sakes. You know what he looks like on the left? It's that random-ass cartoon that shows up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning on fucking Adult Swim Xander Renegade Warrior. Oh, my God, dude. I don't, I'm looking at this. I don't know what to, you know what to think. Thank God he got new knees, right? <laughs> oh, my God. He's more man than machine now. That motherfucker's more knees than machine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George, he was in good shape from the waist up. Yeah, literally, you know. He's in great he looks shape. good now. He looks great. Like he just looks, his knees look normal. But Jesus, did I share this link already for anybody who's on? I the don't link? think you did. No, Jesus. Oh boy. So okay, uh, I don't see that. So Brian Cage was supposed to have a match against RVD, but he didn't because he's injured. So the guy that that, that everybody's excited about that's supposed to be going to AEW is injured before he even arrives. Right? Like what? What the fuck? They should make them into a stable. Him, Ember Moon, and Nash. Oh my god! <laughs> you know when they come they call down, him, they call him the ICU. You know when they when they come down the ramp, their Tron could be a screenshot of their fucking Medicaid card. <laughs> we are covered for life, for life. And, and, and you know, wow, <laughs> coverage for life. That's fucked up. It's too much, man. Injured all the fucking time. Four L. Coverage for life. And Amber, she has a, a long life ahead of her. She's so young to already be getting these injuries, you know? They're going to have to start, you know, uh, measuring her for a suit is what it's starting to seem like. Jesus. <laughs> That's fucked. I know there's other injuries. We don't have time for all of them. I'm sorry if there's anything we skipped, but we will try to get to it next week. You know, because we're like gonna I get said, to these injuries eventually, people. Don't worry. Like, we we nip at them every single week. You know, we just can't do all of them. There's nothing that I can do about that. This show's long as hell, and I know some people like it. Some people hate the length. The chat room's still up, so there's still people there. And there are okay. those of you that message that say you listen to it all day at work the following day. So I I try not to make them long, but sometimes they're gonna be just because that's what people want. That's mm-hmm. what your forte is probably not your show. Kelly Klein, remember her? yeah that's my new thing remember her like if everybody's a nobody right remember her right (laughs) so there was a wasn't there some news last week that we talked about that uh she's getting a divorce yeah her and uh bj whitmer are splitting up yeah so some more news came out in regards to that let me see what we got here uh so bj whitmer last week he said that he that that she breached the trust of their marriage so we're hearing that she quote-unquote breached the trust of their marriage with joey mercury so uh yeah, I guess Joey Mercury kind of edge and lead at her. Joey Mercury got laid in by the gatekeeper. You know, they said that Mercury also contacted a lot of Ring of Honor wrestlers trying to help them get out of their contracts. He wanted to represent them with the idea that they could make more money in WWE and AEW by playing the two of them off against each other. And that he attempted to manage a stable of wrestlers, but it didn't really go anywhere. And that the general feeling was that he was trying to take down Ring of Honor. And he was also, if you recall, vocal about Kelly Klein with her contract and revealing the details and all that stuff that happened in the past. So it sounds like they were having some sort of an affair. And then somewhere looming in this affair was the conspiracy to fuck up what was left of Ring of Honor. Isn't that special? Hey, listen, writers, take notes. You know, there's some good shit here. 
Maybe it could be used, huh? Good storylines, even though it's the real thing. And what am I going to say? You got to do it real. Yeah. Things happen on the road. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Oh, man. I'm going to do a quick skim here, see if there's any other stories before we uh, go into the the weeklies. I mean, the revival, we're hearing the WWE is offering the revival everything that they possibly can to try to keep them sticking around. They filed the copyright for Shatter Machine. So uh, they filed this about a week ago. That to me sounds like that's going to be their tag team name. Why would they need to file any copyright? And they also filed FTRKO. Yeah. I mean, at this point, isn't that what they do every time? They offer them everything they could want. The next thing you know, they're fucking jobbing to who knows who. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. Like, like at this point, just fucking let it go. Like, stop being dumb enough to sign these contracts. They're not going to give you shit. And when they do, they're going to give you the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. They're, they're like a Dolph Ziggler's of the tag team division. Like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So is there anything you want to talk about in regards to the uh, the week? I guess we should start just going over some AEW stuff, right? There's not a lot of time, so I'm not going to go over everything. It's late as hell, and yeah. I apologize for that. But uh, I'll do some, you do some. I'm going to just do a quick overview of AEW Dynamite. And uh, it starts with the Kenny Omega, Omega and Adam Page against the private party with Omega going over with the one-winged angel. Uh, but there's a point in this match where Omega catches a kick from, from one of the private party guys and he goes to, to throw it out of his way and inadvertently he hits Adam Page with his foot by mistake. Uh, this makes me wonder if they are specifically planning a Kenny Omega versus Adam Page feud because it seems like every time there's a discrepancy, it's always Kenny Omega in the ring, whether it be that Adam Page tagged his back and hit the finisher and, and Omega standing like, oh, or whatever. And if that's what they're planning, I don't like it. I don't really think that right now we need that. I think out of all the feuds that we can have, Kenny Omega versus Adam Page just doesn't interest me. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with that? I, I really wish they would just not fuck with that right now. I don't think that it's necessary to fuck with. But um, they're doing it for whatever reason, which, yeah, like I said, I think that really sucks. Yeah. You know, I kind of like them all together more than I like them apart. But who knows? Maybe they're planning on elevating him into a top guy, so they want him to be on his own, you know, and they want him to be a heel first. You know, I'm not really quite sure what their logic of thinking is, you know? Yeah, but they we've seen from them, they always do have a method to it. So. Yeah, next There's always week, a method to the madness. Next week's AEW is called Bash at the Beach, and I think it's, I don't know where it is. Is it in Florida somewhere or something? I think so. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a waste. They should have waited for it to be summer everywhere and then do a bash at the beach. Maybe do it as a pay-per-view. It's such a throwaway that they're just doing a show, a regular AEW, and they announced one week, one week's notice that this is going to be bash at the beach. You know, I just thought that that was something that could have been handled like better than they actually did, you know. Right. And uh, this picture came. I'm going to throw it on the screen here for you guys to see here. This is one of the Bash at the Beach. This is the number one contenders match at Bash at the Beach, right? And then Adam Page, he tweeted out, it's almost like they created a whole separate layer of the background to put me in. <laughs> you know what? I kind of see what he means. He looks is, like he's farther back than Ortiz is. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, you know, I don't know if that's a shoot comment or just further to, to, to further his heel turn. But listen, every week we've come on here. I think last week I skipped it because we didn't have time. But they're always putting things. If you look very carefully when Adam Page comes out, underneath the name graphic that says Adam Page, they're always putting little things there that are just like to sort of dig at him. I guess that might be part of the storyline to add to the frustration, you know, there's little Easter eggs here and there. Yeah. 
it makes sense though yeah so that's what they're going for yeah that seems to be what they're going for we got Riho versus Chris Statlander for the title Guess what happened? Chris Statlander beat 90 pounds. No, no. No. Nightmare Collective was out there. Brandy was on commentary. Mel attacked Statlander at ringside, and then Mel gets her heat back. Uh, well, rather, rather, Statlander gets her heat back beating Mel up, and then uh, the she she winds up hitting Kong, who's also out there with a tope suicida. Brandy winds up coming down the ramp from commentary, distracting Statlander by arguing with her, and then Luther, which is a ra- Japanese wrestling guy, uh, that's the bald guy that there, where he grabs Kong by the shoulder. Well, he basically shoulder blocks her, and then uh, or hits her with some sort of an offensive move, and then Rio winds up cross bodying him. Um. Kong grabs Statlander's legs in order to help Rio win. After the match, Kong attacks Statlander in the ring. Uh, Riho comes to help Statlander. Mel attacks her. Hikarashita clears the ring of the heels. Big Swole and Sunny Kiss come down too in order to help. It just, it became less about the match and more about Brandy's shitty stable. And yes, it is a shitty stable. Uh, I, I saw a meme on social media that said, and it's funny, we're going back to Save by the Bell, that it basically said that Brandy Rhodes is like that episode of Save by the Bell where everybody had a radio show and no one had the courage to tell AC Slater that his sucked, she's that guy. <laughs> it's like all of her segments are just bad, you know? It's terrible. Her wrestling's also shitty. Her titties there's are eight nice. Million, there's eight million know? ways to die. This segment seems something. to be one of them. She has nice tits, you know, great great yeah. rack on her, great body on her overall, you know, good eye candy on her. But I mean, her, if I have to watch her wrestle or do another promo or something, I'd rather listen to Riho's music almost. Almost. <laughs> Not quite. I don't know if it's done that bad yet. It's just bad. And it's just like someone does need to tell her. It's important for creative. You didn't come all this way to let your girlfriend fuck this up, did you? You know? Don't you do it. Don't you do it. The nightmare about the collective is the is, is uh is the promos and brandy. Anyway, we have Christopher Daniels against Sammy Guevara with the finish being Pentagon comes down and he basically tells Daniels to show him because this is that shitty storyline where Christopher Daniels loses to Pentagon because he botched the uh the, what was the Arabian moonsault he accidentally yeah. botches and now he's being torn up about it. That that distraction allows Sammy Guevara to win. Um, the Dark Order shows up in order to try to recruit Christopher Daniels, but Daniels looks at the mask, throws it back at them. They wind up jumping him, and then the SCU and the Bunks wind up coming out to try to save him from this nightmare collective. Uh, what else happens? Goldust and Cody have a match against the Lucha Bros. They go over them. Um, DDP, uh, he's basically coming out of retirement because next week he's having a match, right? Yeah, looks like he's gonna have one run, though. Yeah, but this week he's getting his ass kicked by the Butcher, Bunny, and Blade, and Warlow, and, you know, QT Marshall and Dustin wind up showing up to, for the heels to retreat and to get the save on DDP. Uh, Jurassic Express has their first win with Marco Stunt in his hometown against the best friends of all people. And we end the show with Moxley's decision where he's going to finally get recruited into the inner circle. But it's all just a ruse. He joins them. He puts them over on the mic. But he's really just pretending at the end of the whole thing. I like his casual. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Like at the, after that whole thing. After the, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What? Just kidding. <laughs> your, group, your group sucks. There's nothing I want from him. But he does get the car. He does get the car already signed over. I like the way they emphasize that. You know, and he, he I love how up. much. You can tell how much fun he had with that. Just like, right there. He cracks a little care. bit of the bubbly over, over Jericho's head. And, and to me, my favorite shot of the entire thing was the shot of, what was it, Gu- Guevara cradling Jericho's unconscious body? Oh, you know? God, yes. 
You know, it was it was fucking Maria and Tony all over again. West Side Story style. <laughs> Chino! Tony can't be Chino! You know, they got the sad ending. Oh, shit. That's my favorite. That's the one part I move out there and forget fucking Chino! In this case, it was Moxley! Mm-hmm. Tony can't be Moxley! Yep, it sure was. Oh, shit. All right. Well, what happened in uh, NXT? NXT uh, well, NXT, we kick it off for uh, the first ever appearance of the new women's champion, Rhea Ripley, immediately interrupted by Tony Storm, who basically says that after she wins the championship from at, at Blackpool, which she didn't, she was going to come for her to uh, Rhea Ripley next because she challenged her to a match at Worlds Collide. So we will get Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm three for the UK championship. Then after that, Kaylee Ray showed up. Then EO Shirai, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae. Basically, it turned into a fight, which uh, wound up turning into a six six woman tag team match. Player, the one holla, thing, holla, holla. the one thing about this that did bother me, and it's I don't know if you've noticed this with Bianca Belair, her character starting to come off as delusional because she ran down the list. She was just like, "I'm better than you, 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 you," and then she got to Rhea Ripley, and she was just like, "Man, I know I'm better than you." And my first thought was. But didn't she beat you in like her second match in this NXT and then beat the girl you couldn't beat twice? Like I still like the character though, and I like the promo. I like the way she came out there all full of herself like that though. Yeah. I get what you're saying because it's it's almost unwarranted, but you should have false confidence when you're a character like that. Yeah. So. I just I, I I feel like it's almost starting to get to the point where it's like it's that fine line where I'm just like, don't don't like like you don't want to cross over and delusional, but yeah, like the attitude's always been great. It's just like but um yeah basically ironically <laughs> um the finish of this match a riptide on bianca belair and the nxt champion gets the win mm-hmm. yeah and then um after this round one of the dusty classic the forgotten sons versus imperium and this one imperium gets the win and uh they wind up moving on they wind up moving on with that power bomb spinning uppercut combo they um they finish it off with and I mean, as usual, the Forgotten Sons taking the job. It was no shock that Imperium was winning this match. Which is a shame because the Forgotten Sons have potential, but I see they can only push but so many people. Yeah, it just wasn't their time, I think. And I mean, with them going into that TakeOver Blackpool match, they definitely, them winning made the most sense. Right. Yeah, but then uh, after this, we had Austin Theory. And they got another appearance in NXT versus Joaquin Wilde. And um, the unproven cutter for the win. Austin Theory gets his first win under the NXT brand. Hell of a match. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I kind of figured going into this that Joaquin was not winning this match. I mean, he's basically kind of rooted into 205 Live now. And it's Austin Theory's only second match here. Why have him lose, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And then after that... Match two of round one, tag team champion versus tag team champion. First time ever, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era versus Gallus. And after a little bit of uh, interference from Adam Cole, um, Fish and O'Reilly hit the uh, total elimination and Undisputed Era moves on. No surprises there whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, they're I think they're the only past Dusty Cup winners to ever compete in the tournament again. So they, they, they were going at it. But um, one of the biggest things that came out of this was because next week, uh, well, actually, this coming Wednesday, the Grizzled Young Veterans have their match. Kushida's partner was announced. 
Grizzled Young Veterans, congratulations because you get the time splitters. Alex Shelley debuts in NXT next week. That's actually very cool of all like to think that Kushida winds up back with Alex Shelley in NXT. Right? You know? Like that is massive. Like this is a long time tag team, and it's funny to see after all this time they found their way back to each other. Yeah, Chris Sabin is not going to get his Motor City reunion, but at least Alex Shelley's going to get his time splitters, huh? Exactly. Yeah, so uh, some grizzled young veterans are about to go for a ride through time on this one. It's going to be yep. absolutely incredible. Yeah. Welcome to NXT, Alex Shelley. But yeah. um, after that, my little promo, uh, Johnny Gargano basically got a live mic because it's his first time back in NXT since everything went down. Basically pointed out the fact that Gargant that when um when Bowler got the call up, he dropped the flag to NXT and left with no problem. Basically saying I got the same call in August and I didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Bowler comes out and in a sense basically challenges him to a match at Takeover Portland. Yeah, and that'll be good. That's definitely oh, that's gonna, gonna be something to look forward to. That's gonna be awesome. But um after this we had Mia Yim and um Caden Carter finished to this match, a catch protect your neck. I've never seen her do this before. Caden jumps off, I think, the middle rope going for something, and Mia basically catches her and gets the win. But the interesting thing about this is that Chelsea Green appeared and uh, laid out Carter and Yim and was accompanied by a young man by the name of Robert Stone, a.k.a. Robbie E. from TNA. In a completely new non-Jersey Shore gimmick. Right? He looks like he actually graduated high school. It's crazy. Yeah, completely different managerial <laughs> gimmick that he's been working he, on. We'll see how this works out. He pulls off the look for sure. But yeah, it's um going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, But then, of course, the main event of the evening, four-way dance, Keith Lee, Donovan Dijakovic, Damian Priest, and Cameron Grimes. Winner gets Roderick Strong. And the finish of this match is Keith Lee with a spirit bomb. On, uh, I believe Cameron Grimes gets the win, and he's going on to fight uh fight out with Roger Strong. Yeah, all of that talking to himself backstage that uh Cameron Grimes was doing didn't amount to anything, huh? Nah, I mean he was the smallest one in the match by a long shot. I knew he wouldn't win in this shit. Yeah, Spartan Jesus is right that uh Robbie has been working on that gimmick at house shows for a while now, so they're not ready to unveil it. And I guess they pulled the plug on Chelsea Green being on the main roster because she showed up a few weeks ago, but clearly they're going with this. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with those two. I hope yeah. I, I hope the uh, the match the match works well between those two. Like I'm really I'm excited to see Robbie here now. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens with those two though. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean Keith Lee kicking off his 2020 pretty good. He's got a North American Championship match. So. Yep. All right, what's left of SmackDown and Raw? Yep, SmackDown and Raw is left. All right, good old SmackDown and Raw. We have Miz TV. Where the Miz, I guess he's a heel now. That really annoys me. I don't like the fact that the Miz is a heel because of a heel. Because the Bray Wyatt thing drove him to being a heel. They have John Morrison show up for this Miz TV. This is his first official appearance on SmackDown, if I recall. And in this, he's just basically, uh, you know, it's, it's a reunion. It's a reunion. I don't even remember what the fuck the name of his tag team was. That's how old it is. They were. Uh, they they really didn't have a name, but they had a bit known as the dirt sheet. Right. I do remember that. So the two of them are out there. They're heels. New Day comes out, and uh. Basically, you know, they do like a little bit of back and forth. And uh, this basically leads to a match. Kofi Kingston having a match against the Miz with Morrison Biggie in commentary. Uh, Miz going over with a skull crushing finale. Um, 
Yeah, because Morrison winds up hitting Biggie with a dive. Uh, there's a, there's confusion on the outside. You know how that whole thing works. Uh, what else did we have happen there? There was a firefight. Uh, Alexa. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say up next we had uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Well, didn't well, we I mean, have Alexa uh, Bliss and Mandy Rose Rusty? Didn't we have a Firefly Funhouse before that or no? A Firefly Funhouse? Um Oh yeah, yeah, we actually did. Yeah, you know, just your 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 basic thing with uh Bray just saying that Daniel Bryan's been really naughty and uh, he just wanted to make him remember. And then he shows like flashbacks of when the the short time when uh Daniel dropped to his knees and he was like, I am yours back from the Wyatt storyline and you know, Daniel yeah. Bryan said that he didn't fucking forget about it or whatever. Uh, Mandy and Sonya were backstage. Um, basically, uh, and DeVille was talking about how she was going to be there for Mandy. And then uh, Mandy basically has that box that's later on. What was it again she gave to Otis? It was a cake this time or something? Yeah, I yeah, track it was of a the cake. fucking food. She has a cake that she's preparing to give. I'm so tired of the food on SmackDown. Don't these bitch know that food is not safe on the show? Yeah, Elias does a segment where he's singing about the Royal Rumble and how he's going to enter it. And, uh, you know, he's singing about Brock Lesnar and the people he's going to eliminate and things like that. Um, uh, you know, the Otis receives the cake. Alexa Bliss has her match against Mandy Rose with Bliss getting distracted, uh, by heavy machinery because their music hits and Otis comes out eating the damn cake of all things. And uh, it's basically, the, don't ask me how you're a professional. And this is like, oh, man, this guy eating cake at the top of the ramp distracted me from my match. If it wasn't for him eating cake 12 <laughs> feet away from me, I would have won. You know, I'm a, I'm a multiple time champion. I'm a multiple time champion that just got bested by fucking pastries. <laughs> you know. Lacey Evans has a match um, against Sasha Banks. Uh, I don't even remember what the hell happened in this match. Oh god, I think what was it? Uh, oh right, right. What happened? Right, Bailey instead brings it via satellite and says Sasha didn't show up because she's doing shitty rap music or something. Right? <laughs> she's making she's making her new video, so I'm just gonna be here on the Tron. And the only reason I'm here is because I'm obligated to be here. Just in case you guys were wondering why I'm here, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That was that was just kind of weird. And uh. I think she winds up fighting with Bailey at some point. Right? Yeah, she uh she ran backstage and basically they were fighting it out, and then Bailey said, "Holla, I'm about to be right. I rapidly. just remembered. This is what Bailey sucks, whether she's a face or a heel. To think that yes. you got the face going back there to get you. This is where you're supposed to ambush her. You ambush her, and she fucks you up. That's how weird. She comes out, yeah, and then it ends with you on the ground. Dude, Bailey's just the ass whooping, no matter what, like. Yeah. The heel and the haircut did nothing. Yeah. Braun Strowman against Nakamura here. Uh, you know, I get it. Braun Strowman's really strong and everything, but I just hate the fact that they make Nakamura and Cesaro and Zayn look so fucking crap. Like, they're just so weak. Just the fact that Nakamura grabs the belt and he tries to run at Strowman with it and Strowman grabs him anyway into the power slam. Like, the, all their plans were foiled. He's just better than them. The end. You know, I, I kind of wish that they would just take a different direction with that, not to undersell the heels of this angle so much. Exactly. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit how big he is. There's no reason in any capacity Strowman should be beating Nakamura. I watched Nakamura be bad luck folly, a credible big man. Like, yeah. Lastly, we get the Usos against King Corbin and Dolph Ziggler, but it doesn't really even go anywhere because Robert Roode comes back, and judging by his muscles, I can see why he was suspended. 
because of the juice. Yeah, he came out like you know, Super Saiyan Grade Five. You know, Super he was Saiyan glorious. Man. You know, and uh, he winds up beating up Roman Reigns, uh, and then he tries to put him through a table, but um. Ziggler winds up hitting an elbow drop through the table on him because it doesn't break initially when he tries to send him through with the spine buster. And basically everybody, all of the faces that were talking shit from the Samoan family are laid out by the heels who put minimal effort into this to end the show. So make what you will of it. <laughs> make it happened. Mm-hmm. All right. Raw. Raw. And even really, I don't know. We're just going to do raw real quick. Raw. Just, I'm just going to name some bullet points about Raw. First of all, throwing the OC out there to get RKO'd like fodder during that triple threat in the beginning was stupid. Like, ah, oh, commercial breaks so quick. Let's just take some goons and RKO them. Didn't like that. I don't even remember. What was the finish to that again? Oh, God. If I barely can remember myself, I just remember watching RKO's and I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. Anyway, Charlotte. RKO three months. Was the- <laughs> yeah, because this was a triple threat match. It was, uh, I don't even, I'm trying to remember who the hell was in it. It was Randy Orton. Somebody in the chat room helped me out here with the triple threat match. That started off the show. It goes to show how little attention I paid to the beginning of Raw. Randy Orton, uh, obviously AJ Styles, and I'm just trying to remember who the third guy was that was out there. Hey, let me. McIntyre. There you go, Spartan Jesus. Uh, Thank you. Somebody saved my ass here. Yeah. So those are the three guys in the thing with, uh, you know, and then again in the middle of the match, the RKO happening. And, uh, yeah, pot is only a fine. Well, nobody thinks that, uh, Robert Roode got jacked on pot, so that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know what I mean, what he do? Smoke his muscles? What the fuck are we talking about? Anyway, um, you know, I should probably get that freaking AEW thing off the screen. I didn't even realize that it was still sitting there. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It should have been off the screen a long time ago. Uh, Charlotte has yeah. a match against Sarah Logan. I like the fact that the bell rings this time, and it's Charlotte who explodes out of her corner with a big boot, immediately knocking Sarah silly and disorienting her, because that was revenge from the previous week when the match started, and Sarah unexpectedly burst out of the corner and caught Charlotte off guard with the jumping knee. So this time, Charlotte's just like, fuck it, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm going to be the one that gets her this time. So I like the attention to detail and the fact that this was a follow-up psychologically. And she said, I'm going to do what she did to me last week. Also, Charlotte, when she after she wins the match, putting her robe back on, getting fully dressed. She fully dresses herself. That's so fucking very, arrogant. I love it. Very calmly. Before fully dressed robe, Charlotte then tosses Sarah Logan out of the ring. Like what's left of her. Like, oh, let me get fully dressed. Now that I'm dressed back in my robes, you got to go. And then throws her over the side and then leaves. I thought that was really cool. Oh, um, okay. Brock Lesnar comes out, Paul Heyman, to have with that promo, which it, the, the fans have had enough. They were booing him to hell to the point where they stopped. I don't even know if it was planned for him to go back up the ramp the way he did. Like, the fans were not having it. They were not having it at all. Heyman but what about, saved huh? this bit uh-huh. is fucking truth. Yeah, and it's funny because Heyman's talking about how he never, uh, his spoilers have never been wrong, which he is right about. He hasn't been wrong about spoilers yet. And then of all people, our fucking truth music hits and he comes out and, uh, Paul Heyman, kudos to him for calling our truth bong hit, where he's like, listen, bong hit, which I thought was like just a, a great name for him. And our truth is basically threatening what he, you think is going to be Brock Lesnar, but it turns out to be Paul Heyman. And then he finds out that Paul yeah. Heyman is not going to be in the rumble. It was a lot of clowning around that led what, to Brock. What killed me about uh, this? Brock could not stop laughing. Yeah, he looked like he was having fun. It makes you wonder <laughs> if this was planned or if the segment was bombing so badly that they just sent Truth out there. They called an audible and sent Truth out there to fix what would, be, would have been a dying segment. You know, I, I almost feel like so it was. <laughs> My favorite one is when, um, when Truth said he was like, I hereby undeclare myself in the Royal Rumble and fucking Brock lost it. 
Yeah, and then he still winds up getting F5 just because he spent too much time in the ring. He got too comfortable, so Brock had to hit him with that running lariat. And then, hey, guess what? Time to go for an F5 ride. And you're lucky he didn't take your 24-7 title, too. People have legit gotten bad injuries over that one. <laughs> I can't believe you came back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Rusev has a match against Lashley. Uh, I got to say, nice spear on the outside from Lashley to, to Rusev. Liv Morgan mid-match comes out after Lana interferes, and she hits, and, and then Lana winds up hitting Liv in the face with a soda and then whipping her into the barricade. It is once again a case of the baby faces looking stupid. First of all, we knew that Liv was supposed to be out there because she announced in the post-show last week, I need to be out there in her corner, but you were late. And you come out there, and you're only intent, after storming up to this woman, you would think that she was going to go up to her and knock her down, double leg takedown stuff just storm right up to her and stand there and then get hit in the face with a soda and then get whipped into the barricade good job work on that baby face stuff uh you know do something about that this this, this poorly put together lashley goes over but, with the spear especially because it's only lana it's not like it's a credible heel yeah lana proclaims that she wants to have a mixed tags match next week and thankfully lashley is starting to become reluctant where if you've been observing for the last few weeks lashley is usually the one going hey why are we doing this? This isn't the best idea. And it's happening more often. Now I got to protect you out there during a mixed tag match? Why? Why is this happening? And she's just being a brat about it. So maybe CM Punk's prediction, maybe they're taking his advice. Maybe eventually Lashley will also have too much of her bullshit. And Rusev and, and Lashley gonna have can have a loser a keeps on a match. Yeah, exactly. And we hang her above like a fucking flaming pit. Huh? <laughs> Something like that. I'd watch it. Yeah. And then Asuka and Becky Lynch have the contract signing. They both sit down. Asuka says a bunch of stuff in Japanese, evilly, to Becky. They both signed the contract. And it almost looked like this one was going to end without incident. But Asuka hits Becky directly across the table in the face with the green mist and fucks her up really badly. She gives her one of the greatest green mist ever. They shouldn't have showed it in slow motion. It kind of shows that Becky got her eyes closed just in time. But nonetheless, she got hit head on and she gets pretty much uh you know she's screaming agonizing in pain honestly this is the best of the green mist i've seen selling you know everyone's coming out to help her they're trying to put water in her eyes they're trying to fucking fix her you know there's just no calming her and i like the cool the the way this was done because it's like she's on the ground by the ring everyone's around her trying to clear her eyes she's screaming and she gathers herself for a moment to grab the microphone and while crouched on the floor covered in mist, she just gives a fucking promo about how about her hatred, you know, and about her anger towards Asuka and uh you know, how at the Royal Rumble, if she goes down swinging, she's gonna take Asuka with her. <laughs> like I like that when right when she started to roll out of the ring, you could almost see it. She sounded like she was gonna start crying. And then yeah, right. She went back to selling the the the, the mist and then they take her to the back. So I like the heat yeah. build that's the, for that match. That's the best selling of the mist, I think, since I don't know if you remember this one, uh Tajiri Mist and Nidia. Yeah, I do remember that one. That was a good mist. That's one. the best selling. That was one of my favorite ones. I think this one's right up there with it. Mm-hmm. We get Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy. Listen, I get it, it's a good match. I've seen it now twenty times. They're not sure what to do with this. We get Rowan, who gets hit by he gets bit by his own pet. Before taking out a job, or he decided he was going to. Sh- I want to show everyone this pet. He reaches his hand in there. Ah, I got bit by it. Never mind. They don't know what to do with this. So nothing's better than two segments in a row that they have 
been developing that they have no idea where to go with. Alistair Black wait, 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 in Black and Murphy's defense, the match was entertaining. The match is really good, and the one successful thing that's come out of it is they've been building Alistair Black for almost a year, if you count his NXT run all the way into his main roster run, and they managed to take a guy who they hadn't been focusing on for that time and bring him up to the level of Alistair Black, because Buddy Murphy oh. wasn't getting that emphasis, yet they sold the two of them as equals to the point where you even had Lola saying it's as if they're 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 twins and all the stuff. And, and, like, and they beat the holy fuck out of each other. Like at this point, I don't think I saw much wrestling. I just saw swinging of body parts. This feud helped elevate Buddy Murphy, which he deserved. It yes. was successful in doing so. The problem is now they clearly aren't sure where to go with it. Maybe make them a team. Maybe make them keep feuding. We'll have to see what That's, happens. One thing I've heard is a possible rumor that Vince likes this so much he might make them a tag team. Wouldn't be uh, the first time something like that happened. And, and I wouldn't Rowan, mind it. Stylistically, the matchup really good. Yeah. And the Rowan thing's just shit. It's just bad. Yeah. It's like, no matter what's going to be in there, it's going to be disappointing because it's in a little cage. And if it's not really intimidating, then it's going to make him look like an idiot for getting bit by it. You know. And, and on top of that, it's a Rowan segment. And then when you unveil it, no matter what creature it is, then what do we do? Is it always going to be there in the cage? Are we just going to have this stupid thing that we now all know what it is? Is he going to be able to take it out like Jake did with the snake? Will it be a snake? That'll be too much of an imitation. Can you put a snake out there? Is that going to be different? We're not in the same world that we are before. There's animal people now that'll get angry about the way you use the fucking thing. Like, what exactly? Where is this going? And why is it going there? <laughs> he said, Spartan Jesus, that is Chad Gable in the cage. Oh, God. No, I believe me. That, that's, that's too good of an idea. They've built it up now to the point where no matter what it is, it's going to suck, you know? I kind of like what Spartan Jesus said. Like, Are you not sports entertainmented? <laughs> not sports entertainment. Fuck it, I'll write it down. <laughs> oh, God. Write that shit down. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. But you see that, what I mean? It's just like, it's, uh Like, it's so bad because, first of all, like, it's like, it's like I said, it's a Rowan segment. It already has a stigma of sucking behind it. And then the segment sucks, too. No one gives a fuck where his pad is. Nobody's cared about Rowan not one time he's been by himself. And then you give him a shitty gimmick. Terrible. What else happened after this? After this, uh... Was it the fist fist fight? fight? The fist fight's all that's left? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can say is it looked like Buddy Murphy joined Seth Rollins at the end of this? That's what it looks like. Which, I mean, basically the whole thing was that from the next basically two matches murphy was still sitting on the outside basically looking disheveled because in three attempts he hasn't been able to beat alistair black i forgot about that yeah he's just on the outside on the ringside for those like i think uh, charlie tried to interview him during i think the rowan match and he was just like not now yeah it's crazy dude at first i thought he was just doing his best imitation of austin aries at wrestlemania (laughs) i I would i would say ambrose on that one raw but but uh all right whatever it's interesting to see where that the hell is gonna go you know i will say coolest thing i saw in this match was owen running up the fucking half pipe like the x games and hitting that sent on yes very cool there was very little <laughs> fist in this fight even though it was called a fist fight it was just basically just a brawl it was what it usually is there was nothing fisty about this fight nothing fisty about this fight no it was a hardcore match that's what it essentially came down to you know? <laughs> i highly recommend it <laughs> what do you want me to say about it you know <laughs> Go check it out. It happened. Raw was a mixed bag. I didn't hate the bag, though. There was a lot of interesting stuff here. There was a lot of development here. Most of the segments really did resonate positively with me if I had to look back at it overall. Um, you know, the Orton, AJ Styles stuff is really working, mainly because of AJ Styles. I like his heel gimmick, where it's like a bit of a comedic, silly version of himself. Uh, 
the Charlotte Sarah Logan, despite there not being much of a buildup, it continued the story from last week. I thought that was really cool. Brock Lesnar's segment, whether they intended to or not, having the R-Truth flavor added to it, and uh, just basically the non-cooperation of the fans definitely made this a positive segment. Rusev and Lashley, well, you know. It happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asuka, I love the contract signing. I like the fact that Becky wound up getting hit with that mist and then she had, you know, that whole, just the way she was afterwards. You know, I thought that that was really good selling. Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy again, like we discussed, helped develop Murphy further, which I guess is going to later make him a bigger character if he is indeed part of Seth Rollins' growing stable. Um, Rowan with the pet sucks. That's the one thing that I would say out of the entire thing was absolutely fucking terrible. No one cares about that. Then you got your main event, which worked. You know, even though it was a fist fight, they probably shouldn't call it that. The stop calling things things, just let them be without planning it. If you don't know what it is ahead of time, clearly they didn't know what the fist fight was going to be till they finished booking it afterwards. But it did work. Uh, and it, it, it got the desired effect. I don't know how long they planned on Buddy Murphy being in an evil stable, but there you go. Yep, pretty much. As far as them using Sarah Logan, former crazy Mary Dobson, I don't know. Maybe she's going to wind up somewhere else because right now I kind of feel like the riot squad got completely crapped on. And they, exactly. they owe them an apology, not just because of the fact that uh, they're not using them. You're entitled to not use people. Sure. You don't want to use them. But the fact that that was their go-to people for almost a year, whenever they had any of the babyface women out there, out was the riot squad. Almost every single week, guaranteed, the riot squad will be going up against three different baby faces on the other side. They literally were the heels of the women's division. They had them out there working more than anyone and then literally at the draft for no reason, with no justification, pulled the plug on something that was working fine and gave them nothing in return. They gave what Logan doesn't even get an entrance when she comes out. Uh, there's this lesbian angle that's not fully working with Liv Morgan. Just because they have pictures of them on the fucking road doesn't mean anything. And we, and we don't know when Ruby's coming back. Ruby's injured. Which, if, they have, if they're smart, once she comes back, just reunite the Riot Squad. Give it another go. And don't do any of this other stuff. Exactly. Just put them back to what they were doing. Because they were doing great at it. And it's been something they've been all very proud of. Yeah, like you said, Spar and Jesus, they got shot on. You know, they were pretty much the workhorses of the middle. There were a lot of times that they were the workhorses of the whole women's block. You need good heels to work with. You got three great heels. Think about how many times you've think about how many riot squad matches you've seen. In the short time they've been here, it used to be when it would be a when it would be like they would be like the riot squads up next, and they just be in the back just fucking stuff up. No, you know what, Jesus? They they split them before that. Before Ruby got hurt, if I recall, they had already just decided to just split them up. Yeah, it was already established they were going to be splitting them up in the draft. Yeah terrible ruby just happened to get hurt before that but that being said i can't complain too much about anything that ww is doing right now normally we come in here and complain raw was pretty good there was like one the, the rowan thing was the only thing that really didn't work smackdown had a lot of solid segments nxt and takeover all working right now everything's proper in wwe for the most part we can't just keep coming on here every week and, and not giving it to them when when they got it whether intentional yeah. or otherwise all right well is that it that's all she wrote. That's all That's all we're going to do. Anything else? There's still plenty in the program, but anything else will be put for next week, guys. And don't forget, I guess next week will be the voting poll for the Royal Rumble. Yep. Because it's all about the numbers and the it's, poll. It's all about the numbers. That being said, thank you to everyone who's hung out with us for this entire long night. It's one of our longer episodes. So thank you, EB Gamer. 
Pula, Ice, ACAK, Six Slayer, Stasis Dreams, Joe Wall, Mark 710, 50 Tarja, 387, Packed Panther, Little Defect MDK, Steel Bull 65, Sugar Shane, Spartan Jesus, 85648679, George V, Kaiser, Mikhail Rafael, Mikhail Rafael, 2006, ICPJ, Colin Melly, P Duty, Face 325, and of course, all of you listening across iTunes, Stitcher, and our various other platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live episode 361, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and Destin, we are out of here. And cue the heel music. Shut it down.